Welcome to Rogue a basketball series, another episode, another week, a lot to get through. Also, our game is on as we do this pod, um, so that's where our priorities lie, the podcast and not this shambles of an all-star game, a lot going on in the NBA, a lot to get through today, so stay with us for the whole episode. Pro, I'm sure you have the all-star game on there in the background. Uh, Bogues, I chose either cartoons or glaucoma from watching the game. I, I chose cartoons, so I haven't watched any of the... Uh, <laughs> I haven't watched any of the All Star Game, unfortunately. A few, a few highlights from the uh, dunk contest. I, I finally found out who won the three point contest about twenty minutes ago. So, yeah, that, that's sort of how I'm treating All Star Weekend. So, yeah, let's let's get yeah, to we'll it. Get to, we'll get to that in a sec. We'll get to that in a second. We'll do our team of the weeks, but just quickly, mm-hmm. I have apologies to make. Oh, wow. um, two butchered, two butchered names last week. Um, it's my Haluk. Svi Mayaluk, fuck that one up. So there's there's a real pronunciation, Mahaluk, and uh, Malaki. It's not Malaki, evidently. It's uh, Malachi, bro. It's Malachi. So um, from the Spurs there. So I just want to give everyone a, an apology, heartfelt. I don't like messing up names, but those two bamboozled me and uh, should have looked up the the pronunciations, bro. Hey, Bogues, my last name's Procopio, and no one's ever given me a fucking apology. All right. Hey, just fucking live <laughs> with it. All right. Go look at their bank account every month. Trust me, they don't give a fuck. All right, they have a tough name. Just deal with it. Nah, we should get. We should, I should get the names right. I, I've got a unique. I got a unique last name that everyone fucks up in one way or another, and it didn't really bother me. I got used to it, but um, I should know better, pro. We both should know better with the last names we have. So no doubt. Anyhow, not not a lot of games last week. Most teams only played twice because of these all star shenanigans. But um, it is what it is. I'm going to give my team of the week. I'm going to give it to Philadelphia. Uh, there's, there's a lot of candidates this week. Like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of games. They played they played two games. Uh, they've won four straight. Uh, they've gone into the All-Star break in some fine form. Cleveland, Houston, Brooklyn, New York were there four straight. Uh, just a nice little surge. And they're only three games behind first. So we haven't spoken about Philly a lot. They were kind of my sneaky dark horse pick that I picked from the East at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll be in the mix, but I still think Milwaukee and Boston. But um Embiid's having a hell of a year, as we know. Harden's Harden's role. I mean, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. It seems like he's not gunning as much, obviously, because he's got Embiid there, and he's happy. It seems like he's somewhat happy to actually take a, a back seat at times in games and really defer to Embiid, and happy to get his, you know, 15 or 20. And he's he's actually you know putting up some high assist numbers this season. At, at you know he's having 10, 15 game assist, uh, 15 assist games. So. Um, I'd love to hear thoughts on on how Harden's kind of you know changed. Is he just? Do you think he's just coasting to get to the playoffs? Do you think he's happy to be in that second second uh, option f- from Embiid? But it's definitely noticeable this season. Bogues, I don't know. It's a good. That's a good question. Like, look, Harden. You know, everybody gives him a hard time, including us, including me, for sure. Like about how he plays. It's not really magical to watch the guy play in my opinion not for a long time and just because how he plays and whatnot and you know look I think that he's a basketball player maybe maybe he just sort of you know as you get older you know I, I've seen this in veterans like you start changing the game a little bit the way you approach it um, especially with your teammates maybe you have talent that you feel as you could defer to and score when you want and you know, that's that. And look, in Oklahoma City, before he went to Houston, he had unbelievable vision where 
I felt as though that he should have been the point guard of that team and not Westbrook. I thought Westbrook should have been more of a Dwayne Wade type, like a two guard. Then I thought Harden had more feel for the game than Westbrook did as far as giving up assists and passing the ball and having good vision and things. Um, I I, I do feel as though that he's just sort of in the mix and, you know, maybe I wouldn't say coasting. I would say maybe just like, you know, look, just playing and not really having to go as hard and not having to be the guy that has to score 30-plus. But, I mean, he's been in Brooklyn, so he's had more talent to play with when he was in Brooklyn and now in in Philly. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Like, I think maybe he's just, look, he's got talent on his team. He's got, you know, he's getting Bede, Harris, and Maxi to go to, you know. I don't know. That's, that's, that's a good that's a good question. I don't really have an answer for. But I always thought that Harden had great vision. He's a great passer, you know. And, look, he hunts assists, no doubt about it. But, like, I think that he's got really good feel for the game when he wants to. And the problem is he played in Houston all those years where he's, you know, taking a 1,000 shots and, you know, really didn't see the vision and the beauty and the, the way he played. So I just don't know attitude-wise what he's taken this year you know, as far as what he's he's sort of saving himself for, well, he, you know? Maybe, it could be strategic. I mean, he's, his numbers are great. I mean, he's, yeah. he's averaging 21.4 and 10.8 assists, which is good for first in the league in his assists. Right. 39% from three, 45 from the field. So it's it's not like he's overdoing things. It's just it's compared to his last few stops, um, his usage is, is definitely down. He's happy to swing, swing it and, and, and defer to Embiid. I think it's a good thing and – I think getting other guys involved in the regular season, having their confidence up in your Maxi and your Tobias Harris and those kind of guys, getting them comfortable um, playing, you know, maybe having a, bit, a bigger role in the regular season. We all know what a weapon he will be in the playoffs. So I don't mind it. I think it's a good thing. But anyway, Philly's my team. Who do you have? I have the Clippers, actually, Bogues. Um, I thought the Clippers, look, give them a, a bunch of crap for all the load management stuff and, you know, they you know for good reason. But – I thought they played well last week. They had a, um, you know, when actually everybody actually played, you know, they, I, I thought they did pretty well. And, you know, they had a couple of good wins. They've won two in a row. They lost two before that, but I think they looked really good. I think they beat Phoenix and Golden State, I think, last week, Bogues. And, you know, they were just, they just look good. They got talent and, you know, like we pounce on them because not everybody plays all the time. And I think they're ramping their guys up just a tad bit. And it just looks like that, you know, that they've that they've played well. What do you think, Bogues, about them? Have you seen that? Did you get a chance to see them last week at all? Yeah, and, and I, I saw Kawhi's Leonard, Kawhi Leonard's first back to back in like what is it, three, two or three years? Uh, yeah. um, so I saw I just saw that, and that's that's a good thing. Uh, you know, I've kind of spoken about that. I had a feeling that they'd have to start getting some continuity around the All Star break or after it, where where these guys are playing, you know, ninety percent of the games. They can't continue to do this day off, day on shit. Um, and they've done that the last probably three or four weeks. And they've got some continuity pro. It's amazing what happens when you have your same squad out there night in, night out, and you start d- defining your role off the bench. And Powell's having a phenomenal season off the bench. He's in the running for the sixth man of the year in my books. Um, he's playing very, very well as well. So it's starting to come together for them, um, shockingly, because they're on the floor together. So they're th- you know 33 and, and 28 as we speak, good enough for fourth in the West. Um, they're right there. They're right in the mix, and I think it's um, you know they're, they're definitely a a chance from the West, as as we know. I mean, Phoenix now has jumped to everyone's top you know top of the list for the West, but I still think that you know Phoenix have some 
some chemistry stuff they still need to work out in that locker room. Um, it'll be stemmed a little bit when the honeymoon period comes when KD's back for the first two or three weeks. And then I want to see what they're like beyond that in the tough playoff series. But the Clippers definitely in there. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's a fair pick by you. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Bogues, what they're going to do. You know, they're, they're rumored to have, you know, whenever the Westbrook thing gets sort of settled, if he does get bought out, which I believe he would, you know, what what's going to happen there. Um, as far as like who your point guard is going to be right now, it's Terrence Mann. They don't really have a backup. Actually, Bones Highland is their backup point guard. But, you know, are they going to bring in Westbrook? Are they not going to bring in Westbrook? Look, they've you know, Phoenix, like you said, you know, a lot of talk on Phoenix with that trade they made, you know, to to be favorites in the West. I really think that the second unit, you know, for the Clippers are really tough to beat, especially if everyone's playing. And look, everyone gives them, you know, a hard time with all the resting and the load management stuff. But um, I really do think that if if it does work and they're all healthy throughout the playoffs and they're playing really well, you know, obviously they're going to have to go deep to answer for what they've done in the regular season with sitting on these guys. But, hey, if it works, it works. We may not like it. You know, the league may not like it as far as, you know, people screaming about, oh, well, this guy didn't play, that guy didn't play. But when these guys are together and they play together, I mean, you know, you've got the you know the lineup of, you know, Man, George, Leonard, Morris, and Zubach, and now you come back with, you know, Plumlee, Covington, Batum, you know, Norman Powell. That's a tough team. That's a tough team to deal with. And, you know, you, you bring Westbrook, uh, whatever happens with that. I mean, it's going to be diff- It's going to be interesting, though, because if they do bring in Westbrook, like, is he going to de- not demand, but is he going to want to start? Is he going to want to come off the bench? How does that impact, you know, getting ready for the playoffs as far as getting, ha- you know, having to get ready, you know, get used to playing with him the way he plays, if that's uh, that's the case. But they have talent everywhere. You know, George and Leonard alone, and then you've got, you know, Morris you got to deal with, you got Norman Powell to deal with, you've got shooting, you've got size with the Plumley, the acquisition of Plumley we talked about last week. That's going to be interesting too. More size to deal with, you know, bigs are going to have, they, they're going to have to deal with in the playoffs. So it'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting ride. But yeah, I thought that, that they had two in, in good wins against Golden State, you know, and, you know, again in Phoenix as well, even without Durant. But I thought that those were two good games to win, and yeah, you know, it'd be interesting going forward what happens with these guys. Yeah, the Russ thing's interesting to see. You know, because he's going to obviously come off the bench. I'd, I'd assume um, you know, how that affects Powell because he's he's having a great year. So yeah, um, and whether Russ disrupts, I'm I'm not fully bought into the narrative that he's cancer. Um, I, I don't think that, you I know, don't think so. That's that's fair. Um, yeah. But you know, when you introduce a player that's you know, he's got an aura about him and he's got a aggressiveness and assertiveness about the way he plays and rightfully so. You introduce that into a team now that seems to be humming. Um, it will be interesting. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a fair fair call. I, I, I don't know. I just don't feel like it's the best fit for us anyway. I mean, I, I think like a team like Miami or something like that, I think he'd, do, he'd be much better in, in a system like that where he can come off the bench and there's, there's not a whole lot coming off the bench mm-hmm. in Miami um, where he can actually run that second unit and actually make it his. Whereas with the Clippers... You know, oftentimes I'll leave PG or Kawhi out there. Um, they'll play together, but then they'll also play individually. And they've got a lot of weapons, like you, you just mentioned, Covington and Batum and and Powell. So um, it will be interesting to see where that all goes. But anyway, on to the um, week of the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, team of the week for me, Chicago Bulls. Uh, mm-hmm. Lost six in a row. Bad losses. Uh, Milwaukee, Indiana, Orlando was their last three there. I mean, the Orlando one, they got to win that one. Indiana, they should have been a bit more competitive. 
Um, they're going to be blown up in the off season, bro. They're, 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 this mm. is this is it for them. Um, the Rosen didn't play the last game, so then they're, they're going to be looking at tank. I think they're, they're in that position now. And they, they just had a lot of promise last season to come back this season and, and be a little bit better. We both picked them to be kind of exactly where they were last season, which would be playing scratch close to, to eliminate it. And they're they're eleventh right now. They've lost six straight, um, twenty six and thirty three. And they're starting to fall deeper and deeper away from that 10 spot. They're two games behind there. Not a lot of games left uh, to play. But also news that Lonzo Ball, he's, he's, he might be in some trouble, bro. Uh, yeah. He, he didn't walk. Um, they've just, well, they just said he can't he can't do anything that's changed a direction um, even at moderate speed yet. And I don't know yeah. what month we are, but, he, but he's, you know, this, this sounds like a chronic, chronic knee degeneration type thing. Now I'm speculating, but to be out this long when, you know, if it was an ACL or something along those lines, you'd be like, fair enough, you know, you're coming back slow, but this is just a, a run of the mill kind of knee injury, knee soreness to, you know, have, having a clean out, um, not good news. And, and you hate to see it for any player. You hate, you hate to see uh, injuries derail anyone's career. And he was starting to really kind of figure it out. I, f- I felt like um, mm. his three balls cleaned up. We've spoken about that at length. He's changed his shot. He's shooting it at a good clip. He's very good defensively. And in that system with those wings and what they had, he was a perfect fit. So um, definitely hurts that he's out and DeRozan's out. But they're yeah, they're going to be blown up in the off season. Pro, they, they uh, I'm surprised they didn't make any moves in the in the, in the trade deadline to just shed some of that salary or at least get rid of some of their stars and just go young. Um, but yeah, they're they're in trouble. Pro, the Bulls are the Bulls are in trouble. Yeah, I agree. And it does start with Lonzo Ball and. It's terrible to look at and to see and, and for any player to have to deal with that, you know, chronic knee. I mean, he, he was turning the corner in his NBA career. I, th- I felt as though he was really, you know, coming into his own. And I think that, you know, having him on the ball really makes Zach Levine and DeRozan's job a lot easier. Um, and, and and without having him in the, in the guard spot and then having to go with, like, Dragic, extended minutes, Kobe White, you know, um, Alex Caruso, the, you know, the list goes on and on of guys, but it just, it's not the same. I mean, you put a lot of money and a lot of assets into Lonzo Ball, it just didn't work. Levine's hurt and, and he's just been inconsistent, you know, in my opinion, just, just inconsistent at times shooting the ball. And, but I mean, he is scoring at a decent clip, but look, they tried. Patrick Williams has been very underwhelming as far as what he really needed to bring to the table. And it just it just didn't work. I mean, they tried. They put a lot of money into it. They spent. They traded. They 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 traded a lot of assets, you know, to try to get Vucevic to from Orlando. And they got DeRozan and they got Levine and you know Lonzo Ball. And you know, they I, I thought originally it was a good deal, but um, you know, hey, look, some it's it's this is what the hard part is, you know, putting these teams together. You know, especially when you don't draft your team, like when you don't draft guys and bring them along, re-sign them, and just go forward. And when you bring people along in free agency, it's tough. And it's look, they, I wouldn't call it a mistake. It's just something that didn't work, and, and it's a big difference. Like like Vucevic, DeRozan, you know, like Ball, all guys that really weren't big problems with their teams or anything like that. You know, they brought him in. They, they had good names. They put up numbers. It's just they didn't they didn't get it right together. And that's why when you bring in free agents you, and people off trade, you don't really know because you didn't really live with them for four or five years before you extended them. You know, you have, you know, you have your scouts and information and intel from people, and then you bring all these guys together, and you don't know if it's going to work. When you draft all these players like, a, like an Oklahoma City did, you know, even Boston, you know, with Smart Tatum and Brown – 
like you get a chance to sort of grow up with those guys. You're with them every day. You figure out, all right, is this guy, you know, really worth, is this guy a winning player where we're going to sign him long term? You know, and it just didn't work. It's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely worth, you know, team of the week for sure. There you go. Ah, well, I'm going to go with a little bit of a curveball, folks. I'm going to go with the rookie skills challenge team of Jabari Smith, Hollow Bonchero, <laughs> and Jaden Ivey. Did I you saw see this. that fucking clip? That is the worst shooting clip. Director of player developments from three teams should be on paid leave for the rest of the season after the sh- after that fucking display of shooting that those three guys. I don't want to fire anybody. What do they make? What do they what? make? They made, they, how many points did they get? They got oh, I I have get, like no- four points or something? They had four more points than my blind dog that's 14 years old. It's unbelievable how bad they were <laughs> shooting the ball. And, hey, look, uh, hey, you got to be held accountable. And that was one of the worst displays of shooting. I would rather see Mason Plumley in the three-point contest than watch those three fucking guys <laughs> shoot again. So those are my – folks, that's my team of the week. That's fair enough. For those not aware of what we're talking about, uh, look up the skills challenge um, and and that shooting display by them was absolutely horrific. Um, I'm not shooter. I'm not a shooter by any means, but I would have mixed in a few makes on that on that squad. Problem. I probably would have got the <laughs> would have got would have got the MVP on that squad. Even at, at 38 years old, it was pretty bad. Um, not a whole lot of. It's a good rebounding drill, though. Folks, did <laughs> it was you a great rebounding drill? Hey, ha- did you check out the league? I don't know if I sent this to you. Have you checked out the technology that Adam Silver? That's crazy. Yeah. So here's my folks. Here's my idea to improve the league again. Why don't we put in like? Why don't we put in like you know, actual players into the game? Like you could actually see Kawhi Leonard play in back to back games by just inserting them into the game. <laughs> ben Simmons actually shoots free throws. Insert him into the game. And I want to expand it. I want to expand Steve Kerr and press conferences actually, you know, not telling me how to live my life. Popovich actually smiling. How about this? Mm. I'm going to I'm going to cure all the problems in LA. Have Anthony Davis insert him and actually clapping for his teammates when they break scoring records. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. it's a technology the league really needs to take take advantage. Have Nick advantage. have Nick Nurse in a have Nick Nurse in a Raptors hat in a Raptors hat and not an NN hat. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> folks. I'm telling you, the league the league is gonna definitely. I think they could recreate some of the players in this league. I really do. Mm. For those not aware, the technology there basically you can take a selfie of yourself or a photo of yourself and insert yourself into like say the All Star game you're watching now and. Put yourself into. I want to be. I want to be Jason Tatum, but it's you. It's the photo that you use. They use the Mad Rashad, right, as the example. Yeah. I think. Uh-huh. Um, and just he was in street clothes, and they put him on the court. And he's like, whatever the player. Dunking, they put him whatever. In, he's, yeah, he's, he, yeah it's, it's kind of crazy. It's a little glitchy still. You can kind of tell a little bit, but right. Um, it's it's it. This technology is getting crazy, man. Like you know. In a, in, in a decade or you're just going to be like, is that is this a real game or is this AI generated shit? It's unbelievable, watching, you know. It's unbelievable. You know? And maybe, maybe maybe they will. Maybe that's the future of the NBA. Like that they'll trick us and say, oh no, we're not doing load management now. It's 82 yeah. games for every player and 41 of them are AI playing, and you have no fucking idea. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's like, unfucking bogs. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean that's cool. literally that was literally All Star Weekend. It's all AI generated anyway. So you might as well, they might as well try it out. Well, speaking of All Star Weekend, it's on the background here. I've got it on mute. It, um, oh, it's a shit show. I mean, it's 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 
we spoke off air. I mean, I, I think having it like football, the Pro Bowl, I, I, I think the events are probably better to watch now than the All-Star game. I mean, this is just horrendous. Kyrie's thrown um, Jokic two lobs that have been turnovers. Like, you know, Jokic hasn't seen a lob in his life. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's horrific. And rumors were three, $3,000 pro for the upper bowl last Jeez. year of the arena where you're rubbing the wall. So I assume any lower bowl tickets starting at 10 plus. I mean, I, I would feel, I would, if I, I mean, look, we, we know basketball purists pretty much aren't going to these games, but there's a lot of naive people that are like, oh, the all-star game, I'll take my kid. And if I went like on that premise where I didn't really know basketball well, I'd feel I'd feel like I need a shower when I got home. Like I feel like I this is dirty. I just got I just got taken for a ride. Like where's mm. the snake oil? Because it's just you can clearly see there's no effort. And I don't blame the players because it's like they have an incentive not to get hurt, and their clubs don't want them to get hurt. That they need to incentivize the games. Um, they need to incentivize and make this make it better, right? And or just get rid of it. Just just piss off the all star game and put in a few more events. Um, you know the three point shootout still fun. Uh, so Dame Lillard won that. Congratulations to him. Uh, that's still a fun one. Some of the skills challenges are fun when they when they mix in a few makes, as we said. Um, the the dunk contest look that that needs to be rehashed somehow. I mean, it's great for McClung, and don't get me wrong, he, he put on a show. He's a G League player. Um, you know, I, I would, no, I would no, put a no, bounty on that got I'll, signed. That got signed twelve hours before the game by the Philadelphia 76ers. So which yeah. which which tells me the league was calling around and saying, "Hey, we got a little someone shit for him. We're getting a little shit for this guy being a G League player. Let someone sign him, you know." So, mm. you know. But go ahead, Bogues. I'm sorry. But, but yeah, like put a bounty on these events. I mean, they they can surely find it used to be the Sprite Slam Dunk contest. I don't know if it still is, but they they can surely find a sponsor. All the league money, they're making a shitload of money, right? Valuations go through put, put 5 million on, on on you know, whatever you want to put on. People say, oh, well, players make enough money. Well, if you want the best, you know, seeing LeBron, LeBron probably still won't do it because he makes that waking up in the morning. But, you know, Ja Morant, these guys, put yeah. five million on it. Make it the whatever, you know, the, the XYZ bank dunk contest that's plastered everywhere. Great promo for the sponsor. League puts in another couple of million. You got five million. Bang. You're going to have players then participate. Put it in their shoe contracts as well, you know, like um, have some incentive there. And I think, you know, that'd be great. But yeah, the All Star Game for me, I, I don't. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I think it's it's not it's not basketball in my opinion. Um, but the, the other events I can live with. But yeah, they got they got to they got to figure these things out. I mean, I was, to spend that kind of money on an All Star Weekend ticket. I mean, I think a lot of people will be one and done with it, pro. Like you'd see it and be like, okay, cool, um, this is yeah. great. So I think it's yeah, it's yeah, past, I, it's past I, due for a rehash. Yeah, I think the NFL has the right idea. They just sort of got rid of the game. And, you know, because it's sort of like the NFL game, the Pro Bowl was sort of like the All-Star game. Guys just not wanting to get hurt, so they're just sort of messing around, you know, just making a bunch of contests and things like that. What I think the league really needs to do, you know, Bogues, look, it's $8 billion in the BRI, more than $8 billion with all these, you know, contract, I mean, uh, TV deals and all that. Like, I would do it where I would I would pay, like, Giannis, Tatum, um, LeBron, Durant, uh, not Durant, uh, Morant, and I don't know who else. Throw someone else in there. Uh, Paul George, Jalen Brown, whatever. Mc- Mitchell, Edwards, whoever. Like five people, stars, $3 million a piece for showing up. $3 million a piece. And then whatever the contest winner gets, they get. But like, look, you got enough money. Imagine, look, I'm, 
I don't have to say it again how how much against the All Star game I am. I just it's a bad product, right? And it's got nothing to look. You just said it. Like the players, they don't want to get hurt. I get it, and I understand. Like I grew up on competitive All Star games. I know that those guys were a little nuts back then doing that, and it was cool. It was great for me being able to watch. It was like watching an Olympic game. Like you're watching the best players go against the best players, and they went hard, right? I get it. They can't do that, but. Like, the dunk contest is the only thing that you could really clean up. And you pay those guys a hell of a lot of money. Back when, like, Kobe and those guys were still playing, like, they, I think there was a year where they were going to pay, like, four or five superstars, like, a million dollars apiece. So that's, like, five years ago. They're making much more money. Do three million. Imagine, like, the eyeballs that will be on that dunk contest if you have Giannis, you have Tatum, you've got, you know, um, you got John Morant, you've got LeBron, and whoever else the fifth Zion. Now, well, Zion might probably get hurt, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody who's not going to get hurt, whatever. Five of those superstars, five guys in the top 20. It's the only way you're going to make that thing any better. You know, it used to be a collection of stars. You know, the all-star game, the three-point contest, the, you know, you had Larry Bird, you know, you had like big time players point, Reggie Miller, dunk contest used to be like, you know, Sean Kemp, you know, you know, Dominique, Jordan and those guys. So like, get it back to that, at least on the dunk contest side, you know, because it's just, I don't know, skill challenge and, you know, like doesn't really do it for me. I like the three-point contest, um, but yeah, I don't know, Bogues. I think that you got to... I think you got to do something where it's like make it like three million dollars for I, I don't care how much money you're making, but you're making three million dollars for about 20 minutes of work. You know, that's I mean, Kawhi Leonard gets that in a month, you know, the 20 minutes in a month and he's getting whatever he's getting. Imagine getting three million dollars in like 20 minutes of a dunk contest. I think that's what you got to do, because I think the eyeballs on it and the content you'll get from that will will outweigh what you're going to pay those guys in fees. I do. But I don't know, folks. I've, you know, w- with the ticket insurance thing, I, I already cured enough for the NBA in the last month. I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm tired of fucking solving all their problems. Yeah, that's, I, I don't know. The, I don't know. I'm interested to hear what people think out there. Um, let us know your thoughts. Is it? Do you, do you scrap the all-star game? How do you make it more competitive besides money? Um, how do you make the dunk contest an event where people actually want to, where the stars actually want to be involved? Um, yeah. Interested to hear what people think, but you know, for the most part, and, and even if you're a if you're a casual basketball fan, do you like it? Do you like watching it? I'd love to hear people's thoughts because we're we're obviously basketball purists that know the game very well and um, love seeing good basketball. So we're, we're automatically against the way that that you know that game goes. So I'd be interested to hear. If, if it's just a matter of just showing up and seeing stars in, in the flesh might be enough for the value of the ticket you're playing, paying, would you pay 3K for an upper bowl binocular seat to see all the stars on one court? I'd love to hear it. All right, moving on. Uh, NBA and NBPA Pro, uh, after all our discussions about this and many people's discussions, uh, they're discussing tying postseason awards to games played. Um, and it, it could it could get through in this current uh, CBA negotiation. So... Um, basically saying there's going to be a minimum of let's say 70 games you need to be in 65 70 games to be even considered for a, uh, an award um, I think it's good I think it's good to have a discussion I think it's good that the MBPA is open to it and they're not just shutting it down because usually they're pretty aggressive with anything that puts the players out of their comfort zone and I like it I think this is a good start so all of a sudden you want to be in the, you know in the MVP race the defensive player of the year race which players will want to because they got bonuses tied to those kind of awards um, at times two three four five million dollars in a bonus if you can make those teams 
uh, they're going to want to hit that that minimum threshold. I think it's a good start, bro. What are your thoughts, folks? I'm uh, you know for the last couple of weeks we've been talking about it, and I'm uh, like last week mentioning it. I think it should be eighty percent of your games. You got to play eighty percent to be eligible for any of that. The, look, nobody gives a fuck after the fiftieth best player anyway. Let's be honest. Like no one's no one's coming to a game with the Thomas Bryant jersey on, right? They want to see stars, and the only way stars are going to play. And if you you put put it down, look, you got to play eighty percent of your games. If you want to be in the top three NBA teams, you want to be All Star game, you uh, All Star game, you want to be top three NBA teams, you want to be Rookie of the Year, you want to be Defensive Team, you want to be Scoring Champ, eighty percent. Look, Luca, you know I, we know how many games. It's like fifty four percent that Kawhi played, right? It's a joke, but like Luca really didn't. Uh, Luca hasn't done a lot of load management this year. He's gotten hurt a couple of times, and he still played eighty percent of your games. Eighty percent of your games, Bogues, on an eighty-two game season, still like sixty-five games, sixty-six games. So it's like you know, you play sixty-six games. That's four out of every five nights. Eighty percent across the board. And look, if you want to rest your bench, no one cares. But they want to see Luca. They want to see Giannis. They want to see Kawhi, Paul George, all these guys like Jokic. That's who they want to see. And if you put it 80% and those guys that really want to be in those awards because it's tied to Supermax, it's tied to all these things that I think that you, that's it. If I'm the Players Association, if I'm the teams, then I'm like, look, like you're not going to force guys to play. You're not going to like hold back checks. You're not going to play less games. We talked about if you lessen the season, they're just going to play less games in a lesser season. So just do it. 80% of your games. And that's what we want. It, you know, if you can't play 80% of your games, come on, you know, you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be considered for any of these awards anyway. You know, we're not talking about playing every one of your games. And we know that, you know, look, it is what it is. You know, you got a month off for, for all stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You do it for stats. So you're, yeah. not in the, you're not in the top, you know, whatever, points, rebounds, assists. They do it for that. Yeah. So why not do 70. it for, for everything else? Yeah. So that's 80. Like 80 is a good number. 70 is a little low to me. 90 would be way too high because then, like, if you got a sprained ankle, you're out for a couple of weeks, that could really jeopardize it. 80% of your games, that means you, you play four games, the fifth game you want to sit out, fine. But you got to play so you got 14 games. games. You got, yeah. Uh, well, no, sorry, 16, 16 odd games. Yeah. 16 odd games. 80% of your games. And I think if you tie it, high 60s. That's and this, this makes the stars play. Forget about the role players. The role players want to play. They want to fucking not play. Fuck them. That's fine. If these guys play the top 25, 30, because there's like 25 people battling for the first three, right? And then there's people battling for uh, obscure players, battling for the shop blocking title, the field goal percentage title, 80%. That's what I would I would start with 85 and then negotiate it down to, to 80. And then, and then we're good to go. And it's not... There's not all this, oh, like a lot of people want to do it to tie tie it to, well, you know, why don't you tie it to like, you know, the top two teams get a buy in the first round. No, fuck that. Because like if I'm a superstar, if I'm Damian Willard then and I have no chance at top two, I'm not going to care about how many games I play in my team winning as much. I don't have to care. So what I'm saying is tie it to those things, 80% of your games. I think everybody will be rel- – because relatively happy because the teams really don't care if their fans aren't happy because the fans the fans will keep coming anyway but this would this would like at least it's a good PR move for the league saying oh we're gonna fight back with these players 80 percent and then 
at the end of the day, all right, they got to play four out of every five nights. All right, let's go to work. Let's do it. And I think that that would be the best idea. That's a great idea. When I read that, I think that I, I think if they put that number right around there, they'll be in good shape. Yeah, I agree. Good, good on the NBA and NBPA, and hopefully they can get that over the line. All right, Miami Heat. Uh, Kevin Love's being bought out. Rumored to be signing with Miami Heat. This is a huge pickup for them, pro. Um, I thought he was having a pretty good year early on in the year. He hasn't played a whole lot lately. Uh, been in and out of the lineup, but he started off really well. Kind of revamped things this season. Mm. Had a few games of 20, 25, 30. Um, but he will he'll help them. I mean, he's not going to be a huge bit of guy for Miami, but fifteen to twenty minutes. The the, the shooting from three that he has to space that floor from the big spot, which they kind of they kind of miss. You know, Bam's not a three-point shooter. All right. of a sudden you slide K-Love at times at the five, go small ball, you know, bigger lineup, you can put K-Love at the four at times and play well, at, essentially out of bio at the four defensively, but then K-Love at the five. So I like it. I think it's a good pickup. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a uh, solid pickup from Miami. I think it's a good idea for K-Love too. Like, look, you know, he's rumored to go to L.A. for the Lakers, but come on. I mean, with that shit show that's going on there, you know, and you're just battling to get into the play-in, where at least Miami, you got to deal with Boston. You got to deal with, you know, now you don't have KD with Brooklyn. They could really make a, you know, a push for this. I know you got Milwaukee, but like you said, they lost Deadman. They got Duncan Robinson. They can't really put in games, you know, so you, you put in K-Love at five, you know, back up five, and then he stretches the floor, gives you rebounding, gives you basketball IQ. Um, you know, that's um that that that'll be an interesting sort of an interesting mix there. And I think that that'll be good for them. You know, it's good that it wasn't eight years ago, K Love, which is a little chunky. I'm glad he's in shape. He could pass all those, you know, strength and conditioning tests that Miami has. So I think it'll be I, I think it'll be good for him. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be good for him. Yeah. Oof, yeah. No, good so, pick up by me. Yeah. That, that'll work out well. So yeah, good pick up for them. Uh, Zion suffered a setback on his on his hamstring rehab uh, several more weeks, so he's been out since January second. Did they say Pelicans why? Having a great year, hamstring. No, I mean, did, was he playing? Like, was he practicing? Was he working out? Did they say anything about how he set it back? Or nah, no, no. Uh-huh. But hamstrings, obviously, as we know, are very delicate, and the yeah. guy's not exactly a, a feather. I mean, he's a heavy. Yeah strong, fast-twitch type athlete that's just super explosive. And, and he's going to continue to have these issues um, because of just his body type, which is, the once again, why LeBron never getting hurt is even more impressive because similar, you know, LeBron's not as heavy, but um, when you're that athletic and you move that fast and you, you, you can burst so quickly off the spot, jumping off the line, sprinting, um, you, you're in jeopardy of, of, of soft tissue injuries and Zion's, Definitely showing that. I mean, they need him healthy, man. They, they were having a great year when they were healthy. And now, you know, without him, that's a big gaping hole they've got there. They're, they're, now their lineups are all janky. Um, Ingram's been in and out. McCollum's been in and out. And they're all of a sudden, you know, staring down the back of a, of a plane now when they were they were top four at one point earlier this season. So, but, you know, as far as Zion goes, we know the, the MO on him that he, he needs to stay healthy to, you know, give Pelicans any chance to, to number one, get to the playoffs and and start building on that, and um, until they can get some consistency out of Zion, I mean they're kind of stagnating where they are. Yeah, Bogues, it's a it's a huge deal. He, you know, Zion's one of those guys. We've we've known a bunch of them in the NBA, you know, over the years that just sort of can't stay healthy, and for one reason or another, and it's it's pretty sad for sure. You know, the kid's a great kid. You, know, you want to see. You want to see the best for him and best for the team. That they're a team that's fun to watch. You know they got a bunch of young guys battling, and you know it's it's 
yeah, it's it's depressing to watch when 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 it goes when when he has to go through that. But like the big thing for him, the big fellow, like look, he's got to have to get in game shape. So you know, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. You could beat up on interns. You could run track. You could run all this stuff. Uh, zero G treadmill, alter G, whatever. Like you know, all this stuff. But it's still not going to get you in game shape. So like, whenever it is, you know, you know how delicate hamstrings are. You just spoke about it. Like now, you got to play. It's sort of like the Jay Crowder thing that we'll talk about in Fact or Fake News. Like. You know, Jay hasn't played all year either. And, you know, now he's going to have to, like, come into his own and try to play. Same thing with Zion. Like, he's been out for a while, and now it's a setback, and, you know, that's going to be delicate. But then whenever he's clear, you know, clean bill of health, now he's going to have to play and get in shape, and that's not going to be easy for him. And, look, he hasn't had a great history with his body and things. I'd be interested to see what his body looks like. You know, and his wind and his lungs, like when he comes back and starts playing. And he's obviously a big, you know, he's a big part of that team. And, you know, they fell off pretty, they, they fell off pretty much without him a little bit. And it's, um, you know, right now they're sitting, where are they sitting, Bogues? They're sitting in seventh place currently, right? Yeah, just, yep. And they're there yeah. four and six in their last 10. At one point, they had that long losing streak where they made a weak team of the, a few times, yeah. 30 and 29. They're starting to get a bit more consistent to where they were, you know, three, four weeks ago. Ingram's back in the lineup. McCollum, they're playing a little bit better basketball, but um, they have legitimate injuries. These aren't these yeah. are load management type restings out of their lineup, you know. So no. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he came in heavy again. Yeah. We spoke about, I've been big on, you know, you come in heavy with that size and explosiveness, your, your muscle just can't handle the load you're putting on them when you're that that powerful and explosive. He's, he's like a thoroughbred, you know, and right. he's got to come back lighter. He can't, he can't be playing at 270, 280. He's, he's got to be, you know, in the 250s at, at, at the least, um, you know, and that, that's a tough thing and their, their whole future is riding on him. He signed, you know, he signed that extension. He's going to be there a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, they've got a squad around him that has a chance, you know. They uh, – they're a good team. You know, they're, 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 yeah, they're doing really, really well. So um, hopefully they get healthy. All right, uh, last one to finish on a, on a, on a <laughs> down note. Uh, Damien Williams, we spoke about this uh, a month ago for the insurance fraud these these genius NBA, former NBA players put to the, uh, the health fund there in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some sentencing pros. So Damien Williams, a United States attorney for the Southern District of New York, announced today that Keon Dooling and Alan Anderson – were sentenced to 30 months and 24 months respectively in prison for Jeez. their roles in a scheme to defraud the NBA Players Health Fund. Um, district judge is sentenced Dooling today and previously sentenced Anderson on February 10. In addition to their prison terms, Dooling, 42 of Orlando, Florida, was ordered to forfeit $450,000 and pay restitution of $550,000. Anderson the same with 121 um, forfeit 121k and pay 121. So Anderson got the discount. I assume that Keon Dooling was deemed as the orchestrator of all this, which is interesting because he was one of the big faces of the Players Association for a number of years, bro. Yeah. Uh, but and I know Keon, a very nice guy. I played with him in Milwaukee. I, I really know bad bad things to say about him. I, I enjoyed him as a teammate. I think he was a great teammate, great veteran. But um, as we say, you do silly things when you're doing it tough financially. But uh, And thank you to those guys once again because I'm in that program and it's becoming even more of a shit show to, you know, get my health 
needs reimbursed by them. You, you basically need to have an anal probe to make sure you're not cheating the system these days. Uh, thanks for that. You two, you two are absolute bananas because now, now obviously the, the corporation that's doing the health fund, they've got a new corporation. They're trying not to get frauded again. So doing it from Australia is always a bit of a challenge pro, but uh, they got jail time, which is um, interesting. I wonder if they're going to try to negotiate that down. I don't know how that all works in the US, but I think sentencing is sentencing, right, pro? Once you're sentenced, I don't think you you know, you can appeal it, but um, maybe they, they can get it down to a shorter term. But, you know, Keon's basically in there for almost almost three, three years, years, pro, uh, which is interesting, two and a half years uh, for defrauding the NBA players' health and welfare benefit plan. I mean, Bogues, like, the NBA probably does the best job of any other league about promoting and employing ex-players and giving them as much um, financial sort of assistance that any, you know, that any players association can give. Like, as far as NBA teams hiring, um, the league hiring, you know, paid appearances and all this, and they, they try to give them good plans with retirement and all this, and, you know, not only your monthly your monthly check and and all this other stuff, that they, all these other lump sums of money that you're entitled to, even if you weren't that good of a player, like like Anderson wasn't. Like Anderson was a very average player. I actually worked with Allen um, pre-draft with Grovers a long time ago. and But to be to do this, where like, what are you defrauding? You're defrauding what, a hundred grand, hundred ten thousand? Like, that's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. Where these guys have no show jobs all across the league for like two hundred grand a year, one hundred seventy five grand a year, ten grand to do this, five grand to do this. Yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. you know, Anderson can go to Michigan State and get a job for one hundred seventy five thousand, just going to games and shaking hands. Scotty Pippen got like. Three four hundred thousand by the Bulls to sit courtside, you know, and get hammered by halftime, just hanging out and and just fucking waving. Like, what are we doing? And just like, if you're gonna do it, like, do it. Let me read that you tried to do it for two and a half million, for five million, for ten million. I, I could respect that a little bit, right? And you're doing that from nickels and dimes. Come on, man. Like a hundred. Now you're in jail for two or three years for a couple of hundred grand. Come on, man. I mean, like, first of all, you shouldn't be doing that anyway, let's be honest. But, like, you're doing all – you're going to risk all this. That's my point. That, that means, yeah. you know, they're, they're, I think they're – you know, if, you, if you're going to those extremes um, – look, I have, a, I have a friend of mine, I've said this before, and, you know, he's like, if I'm going to do something illegal, I better be making $10, $15, $20 million. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to do something dodgy for – Two three hundred thousand and go to jail over that shit. He's like, oh, I need to be, you know, if I'm going to do it, I better make, I better have a, you know, risk versus reward, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not risking jail time for a few hundred k. But that tells me they were really in the dumps financially, both of them. Um, yeah. Where you're, you know, like, like I'll give, I'll give people an example. Honestly, um, I'll give you a number. And I was in the league for fourteen years, and my health fund has roughly six to seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. USD in it that I can that I can use on on uh, so it gets higher and higher the more years you spend mm-hmm. in the league. I got roughly six to seven hundred k from myself, my wife, and our family for anything anything uh, health fund related, but it has to be health fund related, right? So, you know, doctors, physios, uh, medicine, you know, kids go to hospital. It's all covered. They, they reimburse you, so I still have a health fund that covers it. 
uh, they pay for the health fund insurance that I have here in Australia. And then whatever the gap or the difference is, they they basically reimburse you or you've got a card that you can use, right? So it's a fantastic program and it's it's commendable the NBA put that together to make sure guys have at a bare minimum the health taken care of. The reason why they did that was because number one, you can't trust players by just giving them cash to look after their health because they're going to use it on the ship. And number two, it's, it's, it's horrible PR for you know NBA All-Stars and legends that are retired to be broke and still not be able to go to hospital for a health ailment, right? So they figured out, look, we're going to do this for, you, for players at a bare minimum. But the reverse is players are going broke and trying to f- figure out a way of how to how to, uh, how to to get money out of there. And for those that aren't familiar with the story, we did it probably about a year ago. What they were doing is they were writing, they were, they were going in cahoots with a doctor's office, going to a doctor and saying, hey, write me some fake invoices like I did XYZ or a dental office or this or that. And I'll give you a little bit of a cut and then you get the cash and you give me the rest. You give me the 80%, you take 20%, whatever it is. And that, that's what they were doing essentially. So the way it works is you, you get a receipt. So if I go to a doctor's office here in Australia, um, I pay $150 for a consult for myself and my family and a script and whatever. Um, I get that receipt, I upload it to a portal and they reimburse me. Um, and early on, it was no questions asked. Um, but as, as we discussed in that story, like some of the invoices had like blatant spelling mistakes on them, like <laughs> like Unreal. phone numbers that didn't exist. So I guess once they'd called a phone number and it went nowhere, I think they started to get a little bit, a little bit some smoke to that fire, and then they, they figured it out. But um, yeah, to your point, pro. I mean, if, if you're doing that for a couple hundred k, you must be doing it tough. But the, the jail time, which I think is a bit ridiculous too. Don't get me wrong. I think you know, there's there's, there's blatant criminals that have got much smaller jail times for doing much more serious things. But whenever there's there's fraud invite, in, in, involving finances and, and stocks and shares and health funds and all that, they they go super hard. So. Uh, wish them all the best in the clink. Uh, a lot of time to work out and get your mind right. All right, uh, we're going to get on, on to Dabble real quick before we get to our Aussie watch. Copy bets. Dabble is the social betting experience where you can copy bets. Very simple. See a bet on your feed you like, boom, hit that button and copy it straight to your account. Follow my copy bets and jump into the banner channel as well and talk some smack. I jump in there from time to time. Download the app, the app store, Dabble. Remember, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Aussie Watch Pro, what you got? Uh, folks, qu- qu- yeah, question. You know, question for the Auss- uh, the uh, the Aussie Watch. Um, I had a, a friend of mine ask me this question, and look, you follow it more than I. Um, although I was on the phone with an Australian agent today, and I'm I'm working with one of his younger guys, and so I got to watch a bunch of the Australian games. But the playoffs, right? You had two in this round. You had two teams with that played three game series, including yours in, in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. like, I forgot the numbers he gave me. It was like plus 80 for the team. Like what I'm saying is like, it was like blowouts on every game. Like either like the team who won who got blown out and then they lost, they got blown out and then they won back. So like all the home teams won, right? Essentially. Is that how it sort of, it, it shook out on both series? I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not. Yeah. In the in the New Zealand series, it did in New Zealand Tassie. It was yeah. New Zealand New Zealand smacked them game one. Tassie smacked them game two, and then New Zealand smacked them game three. Uh, in our yeah. series, it was it was it was much closer than the scoreline indicated. Um, okay. Even the game yesterday, which we'll, we'll get to in the NBL wrap in a second. Sure. Um, it was they were they were all close grind out games. Um, the the scores weren't really reflective of how close intense those games were. The other series was much more swingy. So yeah. Um, but it was it was it was great basketball. I mean, the, the both both semifinal series were were fantastic. Um, especially you know. Our series, the 
King series with the Taipans was was very, very intense and a very good series. F- you know, for anyone watching that, that was really good basketball for the most part as far as physicality and up and in. And there were some antics as well, which we'll get to shortly. Folks, what, in, in Australia in itself, like uh, compared to the NBA, right? Like is there a huge – is it a bigger – difference playing on the road versus playing on the road the nba like does the home team get that much of a uh, an advantage with crowd location refereeing do you do you find that like throughout you know the a NBL? little bit yeah yeah a little bit i think home court can definitely play a part um i know at perth so all the wildcats fans were you know, very, very touchy fans out there at West Pro, they drink a different <laughs> water, but um, they historically have a very good home fan base, 12, 13,000 people. And referees sometimes would shit themselves playing, uh, refereeing there because, you know, momentum could turn just by the crowd. And, and, and you know, generally you're playing smaller arenas historically, four or 5,000 people, six, 7,000, then you go to Perth and, you know, it can be daunting for an inexperienced official that's getting booed and getting jeered. And they had a coach, Trevor Gleason, who, was well, you hate to, to play against his teams and you hate to play, you know, coach against him because he used to get away with it a lot and strategically poke the officials and get after them and the crowd would get involved and he used it to his advantage and, and definitely, it definitely plays a part, I think. But mm-hmm. it's similar to the NBA. Like there's been a lot of a lot of road, road teams have won games, you know. I, did, I think home court's probably still important in the NBL but not not, not crazy. It's, it's more important. It's taken – it has more of an importance than it does in the NBA. I think the NBA, I think – I feel like home court in the NBA is yeah. gone out the window with all this load management shit. People don't really give a shit anymore. I know the Warriors have the mentality when I was there of like we don't really give a shit. We'd rather be healthy and if we have three seed, we're a three seed. Mm-hmm. But um, the NBL, it's still, it's still a pretty pretty big, big deal and you still want to – you know, you still want to have home court. And I think, especially for owners, you know, we, we make money from the final series, right? That's kind of our bonus. So if you make the finals, you should have a, a pretty pretty good year profitability-wise. And so it is important to get there, but um, easier said than done. Yeah, no, it's interesting. When he told me that about the scores, because I, I wasn't paying attention to that, and he was like, yeah, like, you know, there was such a swinging in the scores. It's just interesting how, you know, home court advantage was pretty, uh, you know, relevant in, in the playoffs up to this point. So I just want to get your, you know, you, you obviously you're on top of things with Sydney and, you know, the rest of the league and stuff, just, you know, keeping tracks of it. So just sort of trying to get your, you know, two cents on it. Yeah, we'll go over that. We'll go over mm-hmm. the series in a second. I'll just sure. go through the Aussie watch, just with our mm-hmm. stats. I've said this the last three weeks, but Ben Simmons has come off probably another worst week in his career, <laughs> which mm-hmm. the bar's getting lower and lower. But last week, only two games, but two points a night, 3.5 rebounds and three assists, 16 minutes a game. So um, coming off bench, obviously, it's it's not looking good. We don't need to get into it, Pro, because we've discussed this every week. But um, mm-hmm. not, not great numbers there and not looking good for Ben Simmons. Dyson Daniels is still injured. I had to check that three or four more times just to make sure I'm not missing anything, but he's still <laughs> hurt with that ankle injury. Right. Daly, a little sprinkle of garbage time. Paddy Mills falling out of the rotation again. After the trade now, they've got some guards. Uh, Seth Curry's uh, back playing, uh, no longer injured. He's active. So those minutes have dried up for Paddy. He's got an all and over the last week. Jock hasn't had a great week. Jock Landale, 7.5 minutes, 1.1 rebound, 1 assist. He's been kind of trying to find his spot now since that trade about where do they playing, when does he get his minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of had a yo-yo of a season from a coaching point of view. They just keep yo-yoing him and DNP and then he plays 25 and then he plays 5. So... 
as we discussed with him, we, we talked to him a fair bit. We're in a group chat together. Just, you know, keep your, keep your head on straight, stay patient. I think he'll benefit once KD's in that lineup and they figure things out because Monty Williams is obviously searching for what he's going to, what he's going to put around KD, what the rotations are going to are going to look like, and how it's all going to change. But um, he's got to stay positive with it. Josh Giddy had a decent week by his standards, uh, not his best week, but fifteen five and five with a steal. Matisse Thybul, great debut for Portland. Um, mm-hmm. It's amazing, pro. You know what a change of scenery can do. It's only two, oh, yeah. it's two games in, but he had a great week. He had you know eight points, three point five rebounds, one point five assists, two point five blocks, one point five steals in twenty eight minutes per game. So the most minutes he's played this season um, were with with the Portland Trailblazers. So good on him there. Joe Ingles, 6.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, two assists per game, one steal per game. His three ball still kind of not what we expect from Joey when he, he needs to find that. Mm-hmm. He's pressing a little bit. He's three for 12 for this week again. I think last week he was he was similar number. He was two for 12 last week. So three balls not going down as much. Uh, Jack White, uh, DMPs, no, no game time for him. And Josh Green, uh, a down week after the big week. He had 20, he averaged 20 a week, a 20 a game last week. This week he's back down to six, three, and two. But um, I'm going to give the player of the week to Fireball just based on his defensive performance. I don't know if you saw those games. I did. Was, I watched. He was I watched. blocking shots that he had no yeah. business blocking and, and he was contesting shots. He was in the lanes. He was getting deflections. His numbers obviously aren't jumping off the page with eight and three, but 2.5 blocks and 1.5 steals. It's everything else that he does between that. And they got, they got some wins with him in the lineup. So I'm going to give him the nod for his first Roy Rose Aussie player of the week pro. Yeah, it's much, it's much deserved for him. I mean, I, I watched that first game that he played and look like, you know, it, people are hard on Doc sometimes. Look, Doc doesn't really love young players, and that's it. Like, there are players, the coaches in this league that don't do it. And he wasn't going to play in Philly. And with their analytics and, you know, his shooting still trying to develop, like, he needed a change of scenery. And in Phoenix, I mean, in Portland, they really need him to really, you know, clean a lot of this stuff up. They play really well offensively. They need a guy like him that's going to straight line drive it, it's going to defend, it's going to guard, it's going to rebound. Um, his his block shots were great in the, at least the first game that I saw him play. And he's playing, you know, it's going to take some time because now he's going to probably just say, hey, they need some confidence in me. And it seems like the coaching staff, look, Portland's not going anywhere anytime soon. So they're like, hey, there's all these minutes they need. We we dra- traded jo- you know, we traded Hart away. You know, we traded Hart and we traded, you know, um, Gary Payton away. We need a, a, somebody who's going to defend. He's, look, I mean, Babel's young. He's in his rookie deal. It's great. It's great watching him because it seems like he's playing and he's not looking over his shoulder that he's going to get yanked in a minute or two minutes after a bad shot. He could sort of play his game and it's, he's really fun to watch. And yeah, I, I think that's a great, that's a great, uh, it's a great deal with, you know, getting the, uh, the, the Aussie player of the week. And with the whole Simmons thing, look, it's just going to be a, it's going to come down to are they going to buy him out or how many of those draft picks that they got in the KD deal are, are they going to have to use to get him out of town? And that's that's it. But I don't think they're moving pro because as we said last week, they, they go from 8th to 20th next season with his deal in, in league salary, right? So they're still yeah. going to have to be the floor. Yeah. There's a minimum floor you have to spend. So I, I could see them just letting his shit run out and, and or maybe waiting till, till close to expiry and, and then mm-hmm. using him as an asset of his deal to get some picks back or, or uh, you know, a team that then wants to move off of another guy with a similar salary where they can steal someone. Um, but I don't think Brooklyn's going to need to move him. It just depends. If he starts acting like a cancer in the locker room or something, that's a different story with that young squad. They might want to just get away from that. But mm-hmm. 
we, we make the joke that you can trade it. You can trade a vacuum machine, a vacuum cleaner with the, yeah. with the max contract these days. But I mean, that one's going to be tough to move, in, in my opinion. So, yeah. But it's just it's, it's just a sad fall from grace. You just you like I've said from the start. You know, a lot of people hate on him and whatnot, and I think a lot has to do with the free throws. But I think you want to see him back at his best, and that's that's going to be the challenge. And and look, America loves a comeback story um you know even even australian sports you love to see a guy get like he's he's probably as low as he can get like, i don't think there's you know what's yeah. what did i say he's, he's averaging two two and two last week or whatever whatever it was mm-hmm. two three and three like there's there's not much lower you can get than that so i'd love to see him but it's probably gonna have to be working the off season pro as we've discussed that's not on instagram that's actually just turn your shit off go see a sports psych Stop working out with your brother and, and have someone else work you out that's actually good at what they do mm-hmm. um, and come back with a bang next season. That's, that's all he can control. He can't control this system's not for me. But don't forget, back, in, back when he was in Philly and there was that debate between Embiid and Simmons, there was a lot of Simmons fans that said, you know, shit, get rid of Embiid and put four shooters around Ben and then you'll mm-hmm. see his real talents. Well, guess what they got in, in Brooklyn now, bro? They got a, they got a pretty good shooting lineup. <laughs> they got, yeah. they got some shooters that they can put around him to, to have that lineup up, and he's been dismal. So, you know, I, I know we've been hard on him, but I also want to go on record. I'd love to see him bounce back and, and come back to that fifteen, you know, eight and five Ben Simmons. But it, it's 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 all, it's all going to be up to him. Not not going to a team that fits him or a team a coach that hugs him or you know he's, he's got to get his free throw right and he has to get in in a sports psych office and 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 battle those demons as best he can. You know, it's unbelievable pro players, so bogues, like especially ones that are a little finicky about their shot, free throw, three point, whatever it is, how like, look, the sky isn't falling if you miss a shot. And I think the more you miss and as long as you sort of address it and you work on it and you continue to talk about it a little bit and just sort of understand that, look, you're going to miss and that's okay. Mistakes are good in this game. It's the only way you're going to get better and want to really compete. Look, we're not asking them to be Kobe Bryant. And like, now that's the thing. Like everybody's, oh, mama mentality and all that stuff. No, it's fucking bullshit. There's no mama mentality. No one's built like Kobe Bryant. Very few players could ever be built like him. But what you can do is a, a regular average player like that, you know, mentality wise is look, you got to battle these demons and they're not huge demons. He's not battling cocaine addiction. He's not battling a sickness. He's battling just can't take the fact that he misses a shot and, and when people rag on him. That's the worst thing about the social media and all this other stuff. You see it all the time, perpetuated a thousand times. But so what? That's it. You just compete. You miss a couple of shots. You go, you know, two for 12 from the line one night. That's fine. You go back to the line the next night. And yeah, like you said, get somebody who knows what he's doing. Add hoop consultants. Hit me up. I will make you laugh and I'll fucking get you better. I just get somebody who's good and let's just close it down and just you got two people talk to the sports site talk to your workout guy and figure it out it's not that difficult this is ridiculous he's so young and he's like could still play in this league yeah the shooting's a little bit of an issue but like this whole thing about afraid to shoot because you don't want to go to the free throw line it you know I've seen it happen with other players it's just you know, look, you work on it. Look, when you came to the Mavs, like, your free throw wasn't great. I remember in Denver, you kicking the ball on the upper fucking decks. You were pissed. I think you were getting you ready. You know, I think you were getting back from a little bit of an injury, a knee or whatever. And, you know, we, we started shooting. I think you made, like, 17 in a row. And then you're like, all right, we're good. Like, 
let's just keep working on it. And that's it. Like you addressed it. It's not like, it's not like you didn't want to work on your free throw or work on whatever. Like you can't just get away from your free throw. If you can't make free throws, you've got to work on it and you've got to address the fact and hit it head on. If you're going to miss a few, that's okay. You know, you'll be fine, but yeah, hopefully he does well, man. It's just, uh, I don't know. It is what it is. Like it's, I hope it ends well. It probably won't end well, but it, you know, because it'll probably do the same thing. Because it's like an, it's like NBA for the most part is fucking Groundhog Day. We talk all this stuff. Oh yeah, we're gonna make all these changes. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do this, and then you just revert back to who you really are in a week. You know, you keep doing the same old shit. It, you gotta look. You gotta you take this stuff head on. Have a plan. Carry it out. Understand there's gonna be some failures in this thing, but you'll be fine. This guy was a absolute superstar you know, early on in his career. And, you know, it's funny because we, I think you sent me the film of, like, the social media post of, like, when he was making shots in Summer League, his first Summer League. Like, it mm-hmm. looked good. I don't know what happened. I wasn't thinking but about it. No. I wasn't thinking about it. He it didn't look great, think, but yeah. he wasn't thinking about it. And, and it went thing, in. As soon as you think about it and you're like, oh, shit. Like, and you know, I, I, I speak to some people, um, uh, you know, Australian basketball fans and whatnot and people that are close to me and, they're like, what's up with Ben? And I said, watch, watch the, watch his clips from his first three years, and then watch his clips this year. He does not want to get on the rim. Period. He doesn't want to get on the rim. And he was, when he when he bared down on you as a big fella, you were like, oh shit, he's, he's coming to jam on me, right? At worst case, he's shooting. You know, he's gone up and under. Now he gets watch watch the games. Um, yeah. this is all factual. He gets yeah. to the the dotted line. He's either shooting a floater, he's crossing over and going away from the rim to shoot a hook, yeah, or he's kicking it out. Right, and and that's all mental. It's all he, you know. He doesn't want to get to free throw line. So, and that takes away his game. He's not he's not a Steph Curry or a guy that not a Steph Curry is a bad example, but he's not. Yeah, he's not a. He doesn't have a jumper like a, he's not a DeRozan where you can be like, yeah. okay, like I don't want to get to the rim. I can kind of hide that by just shooting mid ranges all game, right? I can kind of. <laughs> I don't want to get in the paint. Cool. Right. Nick Anderson was the example I used a couple of weeks ago where he had that bad bad series and didn't want to get in the paint. He could still get away with it because he had a three ball. He that's his whole game. is paint attacks. So it's like. You're on an island at that point, like you know. Was it what Doc said, or was it was it Doc's comments? Was it just the playoffs at that series in general, or was it a combination of both? In your opinion, I think it was always there. Look, I think he's always had an issue with getting to the line. Yeah, the difference was he didn't really think about it his first couple of years. It's that kind of who cares? I'm shooting 55, 60, but I'm bearing down every time I'm aggressive. Brett Brown and all that were like, you look, you got a deficiency with the line. We're going to keep working on it, but we want you to keep getting there. Mm-hmm. And then I think the trade came, I think in bead statue was getting bigger. All of a sudden there were, you know, there were rumors in the locker room about Ben versus Joel. Who's the number one. Who's the, who's the alpha in that locker room. And then it's obviously became Joel um, ben was second fiddle, then you'd even probably argue third and fourth at one point. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's a mix of things. I think that one play against Atlanta, th- that really put things out there and was shown on Center for a year straight. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, that's, that's probably the recipe for disaster. And then obviously Doc being honest and not backing him and saying, yeah, he's got some shit he needs to figure out. Joel as well, you know, apparently you made fun of him at times about it and whatnot. And, that that was all she wrote at that point. So it's probably all built up, and they're all outliers to the one glaring thing. It's like that all doesn't matter if you you know go and fix your shit, and that's it's easier said than done. People that have you know mental issues and whatnot, um, anxieties. I think it's a full blown anxiety for him, and he just needs to fix it. And I think a lot of it, I, I 
truly believe a lot of it's going to be fixed without being on a basketball court and without touching a ball. Um, look, he does need to fix his shot, yes. But even with the way the shot looked, you still got to have that aggressiveness to, to get there, like you said, and be okay with going over two because, hey, I'm still an all-league fucking defender. Like, yeah. I, might bomb, I might bomb two free throws, but I'm valuable because I'm, I'm, I'm guarding Kevin Durant in the next position, right? Or I'm valuable because I just got a steal and a fast break dunk. But yeah, I bombed, I'm, I'm two for nine from the line. Who gives a shit, right? Um, Nobody cares. That, that's, that's how I see it. But it's it, it's hard to watch. I feel I kind of feel for him to an extent because it feels like he's on an island out there. And you, you can see he's not enjoying basketball. Like clearly he's not enjoying it. Mm. And people say, oh, he doesn't work hard. He's not playing hard. It's not that. It's nothing to do with not playing hard. It's, he doesn't want to get fouled. It's as simple mm. as that. You, you'll see if he can fix this in the off season and want to get fouled and get to the line, you, his whole game will open up again. And we'll be talking about how great he is. So... Uh, a few requests, Pro. We also got some Aussie watch requests from the European Australian players, which we haven't really touched on. So I thought I'd give them a crack because we've Let's got a few having, few having really good years. Mm-hmm. Um, and one is Dante Exum. He's playing oh, really yeah. well. Now, keep in mind, these are European stats. So the numbers don't look as big as the NBA glorified 140-point games because it's low scoring over there and they actually play a team style of basketball. But he's having a hell of a year in the, in the Serbian league. 23 minutes for 13 points. Um, he's got two rebounds, two and a half assists, but he's shooting clips pro. Not known as a shooter mm. um, in the NBA, but 60% from, from the field, just under 40 from three and 87% from the free throw line. That's in the Serbian league. You move over to Euro league and his clips take a massive jump. He's, he's a bit down on points, he's, but he's playing less minutes. 20 minutes a game, 11 points. Two and a half rebounds, more assists in those small minutes at four assists. Shooting clips pro, 64% from the field, 54% from three, 94% from the free throw line. Unbelievable. He's having a hell of a shooting year. Uh, this was a guy that people questioned his shot, uh, was, a, was, a, was a paint guy, mainly corner three-point shooter with the Utah Jazz, and he's obviously got in the gym, got himself confident, and he is absolutely lighting it up, shooting the ball. Hold, hold on, folks, hold on. One way Belgrade Benjamin Simmons booked booked him. I got him. We got him. I, I booked him a flight. He'll be in Partizan it's next week. Let let's get no. It's no. It's it. Let's get. It's a loner. Let's get Ben to fucking Partizan, and we'll fix this shit right away. That's it. He doesn't need Instagram trainers working him out. He doesn't need assistant coaches that want to be seen on social media. He needs like guys that like Ivan Drago trained with in Rocky Four. He needs that. I just booked him. Uh, there'll be a you know right out of he could go right out of um, John F Kennedy Airport. We got him. He's going to Belgrade. We're gonna fix him. He's done. We're good. Benjamin Simmons, you got. It. <laughs> if only you could need to trade, but. Yes, Dante's figured it out. I mean, he's yeah. obviously gotten in the gym and figured it out, and he's shooting the shit out of the ball. Um, you think he's got he's got a chance to get back in the NBA next season? I definitely think so. I think somebody asked me. I think somebody hit me up on um, social media last week, and they they, uh, they said fact or fake news. Um, Dante X won't be in the NBA. I don't know if it said by next year. I said yeah, definitely fact. I think he's definitely good enough. I think he. I think the Europe thing for players in the NBA that's sort of like. They're going from team to team and team, and they're not getting a real chance. I think it's really a good idea. Don't go to the D League. Don't do that. Go, go to a good European team. Doesn't have to be one of the top ones, but don't go to like, don't go to just one that's going to give you a check. Go to one that you can develop. You can have the ball in your hand, 
and you could just sort of find yourself again. I think that's what Dante did. He went to Barcelona last year, did well. And then this year, um, you know, Partizan, you know, who's not the not he's not the global power they used to be, but they're still pretty good. And I think it's um I think definitely an NBA team that wants somebody who look what he's done with you know, with uh, the Olympic team in Australia, with, with what he's done in Europe the last couple of years. I mean, if I'm an NBA team, I definitely want him around my guards because, like, look, like he could talk to young, struggling players and like, look, this is what I dealt with and this is how I got myself out of it. I mean, that's – I've heard nothing but good things about the guy. I think this is good. I think um, if I'm an NBA team, for sure, even a winning team or a young team, either one, I want that guy in my locker room. I want him on my team. I'll play him some minutes because he's got some juice left. I mean, he's got plenty of time. He's, he's very still young. young. He's yeah, 28. He came out of Australia playing high school basketball, which isn't great in Australia. Didn't have yeah. a whole lot of that high-level basketball. Um, he was always going to take two or three years. Unfortunately, he had a lot of injuries early, but he, he's finally found the formula. He stayed healthy and... I think he's definitely a lock to get something in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few other guys, Brock Modem um, over in the, the French League. Uh, what is he at? He's at 7.8 points, um, three and a half rebounds and an assist, shooting decent clips. He's, he's uh, 39% from three, 52% from uh, from two, and um, just under 80% or 78% from the free throw line. So he's a, he's a candidate to come back to the NBA next season. There's some rumors floating about that he might be putting his hand up to come back here. He's played one year in uh, in Adelaide a number of years ago, but mainly in Europe, married to a, a Europe, I think a Lithuanian. So that, mm-hmm. that is why he likes to stay in Europe. But he's another candidate. And, and our last one is Duop Reith, obviously on the you know the Boomers uh, national team. He's playing over in glorious China. So these numbers, I mean, take it with a grain of salt because it is China. But uh, 19 points, uh, eight rebounds a night, um, shooting... 35% from the three, which, is, which isn't too bad for a big fella, uh, 46% from the field and 80% from the line. So in context to his Illawarra numbers, he was at 15 and seven. So China, a little bit of an easier league, playing less minutes over there, but his numbers have definitely taken a nice little rise. So they're the, that's the Aussie Watch Pro. They're all, uh, all doing pretty well over there. We'll see if any of those guys end up back in Australia. All right, let's get into the NBL real quick. Uh, we will touch on the New Zealand Tassie series first. I saw this as news kind of ta- Tassie versus Tassie light. Um, Tasmania versus Tasmania. They play a very similar style, hold and grab and physical. And, you know, they're, they're both those kind of teams, especially Tasmania that, you know, from three quarter court up, they're holding and grabbing you off the ball. Like they're not letting you run up the court. Clearly that they, they, they call them, I think, good mornings or hellos. Go say hello, go say hello to you. Your, uh, your offensive player when you're guarding him and they make it a real grind. They make you try, kind of run in mud and they just plan on doing that the whole game. But um, game one, you know, New Zealand, uh, clear winners of that one. Um, you know, not, even, not not really a close game in game one, 88 to 68 in New Zealand. Goes to game two, Tasmania, then get the upper hand, 89, 78. And then game three, which was last night, New Zealand blow them out late. There was a closer game the score reflected. It was 92, 77 for New Zealand. But it was it was a pretty much a tied game in the third quarter at, at different points, and then New Zealand ran them over. But like I said, very similar styles. I just feel like New Zealand were a more talented version of Tasmania, in my opinion. I think they just got more talent, great scoring, and and things just dried up for Tasmania offensively, uh, missing Josh, Josh Majette 
uh, was huge. He had a uh, he's got a broken cheekbone, so he didn't play in the series. He was a big out for them, and they just they just couldn't get buckets when they needed. They 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 guard and they they play hard together and all that kind of stuff. But they just they just couldn't score the ball, um, especially in the half court sets when they needed buckets. Pro. So that series has ended two one for New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand who were number two in the regular season come out and, and have made their first grand final in a number of years. They, they had a three-peat in the mid-2000s, I believe, about 10, 15 years ago, and now they're back in, in the promised land pro. So that's that series. And the series that was I thought was a great series, Sydney versus Cairns. Sydney Kings were somewhat lucky here, pro. Um, game one, atrocious first half by Sydney Kings. Um, down, 10 in the, down 10 at halftime. Cairns were just you know, free and um, the way they played was was really fun to watch. They were, you know, he was emphasizing just play free, take the first available good shot and they were running gunning, like I said, up 10 at, at the half in Sydney and then a, a masterclass defensive performance in the third quarter by the Sydney Kings, um, keeping cast at 10 points in the third, got the lead back for a somewhat close finish but um, ended up being the Sydney Kings winners of that one. Uh, what was the score there? 95-87 in that one and Xavier Cooks, Sean Wyatt was the MVP 27 and 14, played a really, really good game, really influential at both ends, especially defensively. Game two, uh, I think this was possibly the worst game of the season for the Sydney Kings. Um, you never want to have a stinker like this, especially in a final series. I, I thought the Kings deserved to lose by a lot more. I thought the, the end score, which was 90, 93 to 82 for Cairns was respectable for, for the Kings. It should have been much worse. Um, Cairns were tremendous. Uh, very, very spicy series. Uh, it was physical. Um, there was a there was a flop warning called pro in the fourth quarter oh, wow. uh, on, on one of the Sydney Kings. Oh, that's nothing. They called two, th- uh, three flop, three flops. I think in the first five minutes of game one. So after your first flop warning is a team, this, everyone uh, everyone after that's a technical. We had two texts in the first five minutes, I believe, for flop warnings, <laughs> which Jeez. was interesting. We adapted though, but in game two, there was Kwat Noi was guarding, I can't remember who it was, I think DJ Hogue, and uh, Kwat Noi went down after a head clash. It was a kind of a body foul first on Kwat, and then as, as Hogue tried to drive by, they clashed heads, foul was called, he went down, gets a flop, flop uh, call, already had a flop warning, technical foul. Problem is Kawat Noy was bleeding. Um, so Chase Buford just loses his shit. Um, rightfully so, in my opinion. He gets a lot of flack. This one, he was in the right. Uh, lost it. We are probably out of the game at that point anyway. We were down double digits, I think, and early in the fourth. It might have been mid-fourth. We are kind of trying to make a run, and that kind of stemmed our, our flow. Um, he ends up getting ejected. Uh, he's out of there. Tim, so- Tim Suarez gets into it with Wardenberg and gives him a hip and shot gives him kind of a shoulder to the to the to, to the chin I think off the ball Wardenberg goes down what's funny about this is for people who haven't watched the game is these two were going at it all game Wardenberg wouldn't let Suarez run up the court they were chesting each other the whole way off the ball the whole game and then vice versa so Tim started doing it back and then Tim gave him a little cheap he got caught for it so those two boys both got fined heavily there were no suspensions, so you had a lot of NBL fans losing their minds, saying it should have been a suspension for, for, for both of them. It's not right. And what I'll say is this about Chase. Chase crosses the line a lot, but he's passionate. He's fine for, for his players, and I'll take that. Um, at times, is he right? No, and he, he puts his hand up, and he's been – you know, the, the NBL end-of-season fund is going to be renamed the Chase Buford Fund because <laughs> uh, he's funding a lot of lunches and dinners um, at the end of the season, but – 
there's something with an Australian mentality of if you stray outside the box or the lines, you know, you, you, it's frowned upon and you're disrespectful. And I looked at some Steve Kerr clips of his highlight reel of going crazy at officials pro and he's got a nice one, right? And he's, mm -hmm. he's, most, he's one of the most liked coaches in, around the league and around the world. And I'm, I'm adamant, you put him in the Australian NBL, they'd want to kill him. Uh, fans would want, <laughs> want him hung, 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 hung publicly for the way he's berated officials before. So... For those people out there, that, that there is a strategy sometimes with berating officials. There's, there's a strategy of getting a T. There's a strategy of getting ejected. At times, Chase uses that strategy. At times, it's not strategy. At times, he does lose, you know, blows a fuse and goes crazy. But um, I always find that interesting in Australia. Like it's it's just it's just the way we're kind of ingrained here to, you know, oh that says I can't cross the road till it goes green, even though there's not even a tumbleweed. I, I, well, I can't cross then, you know. Um, Oh, that guy's crossing. It's red. Oh my god, that's so bad. You know, that's that mentality, pro. So, it's, it's always a head scratching me with that Australian mentality. And this is similar with Chase. Yes, he does deserve some of the flacky cops, but at the same time, I think fans are a little bit uh, a little bit precious in that in that uh, context. But game three uh, last night here in Sydney, fantastic game, uh, great game, back and forth, um, up and down, left and right. It finished seventy nine to sixty four. It was much closer than that. It was a grind. Um, I think Cairns burnt out late. They they played a very short rotation of seven or eight guys. They had some injuries. Played them big minutes all throughout the series. They played in the playing games as well. I think they were just completely cooked at halftime. And, and and Luke Longley and myself were sitting courtside right near the bench of Cairns. We both noted midway through the third, we said these guys are cooked. They can't move. Um, they had, Even when they caught a timeout, they were kind of <laughs> – you know, they could barely even walk to the bench to sit down and get their drink. We noticed a, a big, big kind of flat spot for them and, and that reflected the scoreline towards the end. So um, I think they were just gassed out and they must must be commended pro. They had some injuries. Keanu Pinder, the MVP candidate, was out for the rest of the season. He broke his eye socket. Taj McCall missed game one and came back for a fantastic game two, brought a lot of energy. Shannon Scott missed their game three, their other import with what I think he's done his hammies, either torn his hammy or done something serious to it because he didn't look good. So considering all the injuries they had, I want to shout out the Kansas Taipans and our former head coach who was there before Chase 40. Um, he did a fantastic job prepping them. He put together a team that really fought hard, were undermanned and, um, he was the coach of the year and it's looking like that was the right decision um, because he, he really got an under not a an undercooked team that had a lot of injuries to to we were threatened man like I was I was worried about game three I mean I, I'm not gonna lie they, they 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 had our number in game two and they found something and the way they played both both offensively and defensively they got a lot of long um, you know, six five to six eight guys that are just long and athletic. They can switch one through five. They can have a lot of janky lineups. They all shoot the three ball. So, congratulations to Cairns. I think there's a lot to be positive up there. If you're a Cairns Taipans fan, you should be very proud of how your team went. And um, but fortunately for us, the Sydney Kings get through. And one of those seasons, pro, where where number one and number two are meeting in the finals. So you you often don't see that these days, especially in the NBA. Um, it's never one versus one in each conference. Is always a surprise and. So to actually have one versus two in the finals will be interesting. Best of five now, pro. So first to three wins. It's one, 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 one. One home, one away. One home, one away. Mm -hmm. One home. Um, and we will see how it goes. First one kicks off. I believe it's March fifth um, in Sydney. Uh, for those those following, uh, sorry, March third in Sydney. March fifth in New Zealand. March tenth in Sydney, March 12th in New Zealand if needed, and March 15th. So Sydney Kings fans or NBL fans in general, if you're in Sydney, 
March three, we want to try and get some fans out. Um, a lot's been made pro of, you know, we're, we're not the most well-liked NBL team amongst fans. It's kind of uh, the hashtag trending out there, anyone but Sydney. <laughs> so there's <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of other teams that want um, us to lose, which rightfully so. We're, we don't do things conventionally and we're not afraid to voice our opinions. So we get a lot of hate for that. But um, our crowds were down a little bit. Uh, a fair bit actually, you know, just passing 7K in both the both semifinals and it's a tough, tough task. Uh, the planes kind of didn't give us a whole lot of time to prepare our schedule. We didn't know when we were playing or who we were playing. We had two days or three days odd to, to, to prepare all that properly um, or maybe a little bit more actually after the awards dinner and the games. And um, yeah, we, we just need City to, to show out. Uh, Wednesday night games are, are never great on a weeknight in Australia, but... Sunday, we definitely expected more last night on a Sunday afternoon, but um, didn't get it done. And unfortunately, in Australia, you can't sell you can't sell game three tickets because it was an if needed game. You can't sell those until you know you need the game. <laughs> it's not like the US where um, you can sell you know a game seven potential, and they I guess they reimburse you or they give you a credit or whatever they do. Where in Australia, it's not done like that. So that kind of hurt us. We only had from Saturday from uh, Friday night 10 p.m. We had 36 hours to try and, you know, sell tickets, which which isn't great. So Kings fans, let's go get out to, to March 3. We know New Zealand will sell out at a small arena, so hopefully that all goes well. But uh, NBL season, going, get, getting towards the tail end, pro. It'll be interesting. I'm, you know, you got to give me a link or whatever. I could stream the games and watch. I think it's on YouTube. YouTube live, like for sure? Overseas, yeah. If, Perfect. If you're out of the, I think pretty sure if you're outside of Australia – Yep, they're um they're on YouTube live for free, so awesome. The time difference might do you do you a little bit of trouble because it's uh, like two in the morning, whatever. Yeah, Friday night. Well, the Friday night game, the Sunday afternoon in New Zealand might be okay for you, but the Friday afternoon will be a bit rough, or Friday mm-hmm. evening. But um, yeah, I've got a lot, a lot of friends and people actually getting interested in the NBA, and a lot of scouts have hit me up of how to watch stuff, and I think believe YouTube's away, and I think if you're in Australia, it's obviously on ESPN, and I believe KO has it on their freebies. So if you have a KO account, you can jump on there. So KO, anyone from there listening, feel free to sponsor us for plugging you. Uh, a little bit of news from the NBL. Brisbane has hired Justin Schuler from Melbourne United, an assistant coach. Look, I'm not going to, you know, it's his first head coaching job, but through the grapevine in the NBL, uh, there's, there's word that Brisbane were once again on a budget to hire a head coach um, and did not want to spend for a coach. And that's why Shula came came calling. Um, they got him on a, on a pretty good rate from what I've heard. Hasn't been a head coach before. Has been in Melbourne United for a number of years. Perro Cameron, I've heard, has walked, which basically walked away from the hiring process after after learning all that. Uh, they need, I mean, we'll see. I hope it goes well. But I felt like they needed a, a seasoned veteran of a coach there. Um, they've got two alpha dogs in Aaron Baines and, and Nathan Sobey that a dismal year I thought they'd go out and hire someone. Um, no disrespect to Shula, like I said, he might come out and set the world on fire, but someone, a known name, a known commodity that can come in and say, hey, you two guys get on the same fucking page. We need to figure, we need to figure this out. You know, you two guys, two of the high, highest paid guys from a Australian point of view in the NBL, we're going to get some pieces around you and we're going to be better. We're going to demand professionalism. We're going to demand X, Y, Z. Um, I think when you get a, a rookie, fresh-faced head coach, he's going to be figuring himself out as much as he's figuring the players out, right? And that's going to be a tough one for Brisbane. So um, we see that a lot in the NBA. We see it. We're seeing it in Houston right now. We're seeing it, you know, in different teams. That you know, there's some teams that you just you, you need someone who has a method to the madness, who's seen it all before. He might demand a bit more money, and you got to pay it. But 
I just hope this does not backfire for Brisbane Pro, but um, that's that. Uh, a glaring omission from the Boomer squad, uh, no Mitch Creek. So really? they're playing this weekend. Yeah, they're playing this weekend from, you know, MVP candidate of the NBL. Was not selected in, in, in what is, you know, essentially a third slash fourth squad of the Boomers. Um, you know, no finals teams, players were selected. So if you made the top top four, you weren't, you know, basically Basketball Australia weren't selecting you because you're playing in the finals. So the bottom bottom six odd teams, those, those players can go. Uh, and Mitch Creek was not selected. So... Um, there's, you know, rumors of the domestic violence allegations that were made last season factoring into that. Uh, there are other rumors about potentially some, you know, some, some boomer squad members not being happy with certain things that, and certain um, aspects of, of, of what had transpired with that. Um, uh, very, very interesting um, to say the least. So I thought he would, have, he would have been in that squad but wasn't even caught up for it. And final thing, Pro, I'll, I'll get your uh, thoughts on this one. NBL wise, so the NBL, um, I can now discuss this. We've known as have known about this for a while. It's, it did hit the media, so it's full transparency. I'm not leaking shit. They floated a team of next stars, pro. Now the next stars, if you're not familiar, pro, every team can have a next star, which is basically partially or fully funded by the NBL. Their contract is, and they teams can they're useful for teams at times because it's a young star, Lamelo Ball, Didi Lazada, Repair, who's in New Zealand. Um, and then if they get drafted, there's a buyout, which then gets split by the team in the NBL. So there's incentive mm-hmm. for both the league and the team and to, to do well. And a lot of times as a team, you take it because it doesn't hit your cap much. And, you know, there's there's a lot of silver lining there. I was floated to have a team full of those, pro. Um, <laughs> in the NBL, uh, our ownership group's strongly against, I'm strongly against based on where do they play? What city are they in? Do they win any games? You've got a team of 19-year-olds that are going to be superstars one day, but a team of 19-year-olds that are all competing for draft spots against each other in the same team. I mean, what could go wrong with that, bro? Like, surely that's not a recipe for disaster. You're playing with grown men on other teams. You're playing in a different league. I get their thinking to an extent. The NBL's thinking, shit, for TV, this would be great. I mean, imagine having a team of Wembenyanas or you know, these young up and coming stars who are going to be top 10, top 15, all on the same team. Wow, that's great for TV. It would destroy your local product. Um, it would absolutely destroy your local product. I don't know, you know, put them in any city in Australia, how they connect into the community, how they're building culture and passion, how they're building a fan base that comes and support them, supports them when they know these, you know, kids are not their fault, but they're here for one year. But that was an idea floated. It's been put out in the media and hasn't gotten a whole lot of positivity. So uh, I'm interested to hear most people's thoughts out there. Mine are strong no. I don't know what you think about it, Pro, if it, it would work. Well, folks, the, the NBA has done that with the um, the G League Ignite. And, I mean, to a certain degree, it's been okay. They What they do is – but they pay those guys ridiculous amounts of money, like upwards over a million dollars. So, like, probably three or four of their guys, they, they're getting big-time money in comparison to what they're going to be getting in regular dealing salary. And then they what they do is they pay like three or four veterans. They give them 250, 275,000 a year where the dealing salary is like 50, 60, 70, 80 grand usually. And you know, like they played less games. They didn't have to be on the road the first year. They, 
you know, there's a, there's a bunch of factors in that. And now this year, they're not doing very well at all. They've got Scoot Henderson on the team, who's supposed to be the, who will be the second pick in the draft, um, this year, but he's been out with some concussion issues and, and the team, as far as record wise, isn't doing very well. I, I'm not a big fan of it because you just got too many young guys on one team. Um, I don't know about the whole like draft stock thing and if that's going to be a big factor. I think the biggest factor would be like who your mentor is going to be. Like how are they going to survive as a group, you know, with being so young and immature dealing with some of the things they're going to have to deal with. Plus, they won't be able to physically compete with the with the players in that league on a nightly basis. So, are you going to put like four of them on there? Are you going to put six of them on there? Are you going to try to go like three or four veterans, like older guys to to sort of mesh this thing out? I'm not a big fan of it. Um, it's just good for content and TV, but I think it will be a disaster. I don't care who your coach is. It's not going to be the problem. The problem is going to be like you got young kids in a major city. Well, for the most part, will be a major city depending on obviously where they put them. But like, I- I'm just not a big fan of the whole deal with that. Like the G League Ignite, I understand. You know, because they could pay them big time money. They've got like, you know, John Jenkins and a bunch of guys that are vets around them. They got a decent coach. They got a really good coaching staff around them as well. But um, the Australian version, I'm not really good with. I'd rather just put them, I'd rather just put them on regular teams. And so they're around vets every day. They got to practice against vets every day. They can't really run the asylum where the the head coach is going to have, you know, is going to be handcuffed you know, to to really, like, be at their beck and call. Like, imagine you're a coach trying to, you know, either a vet or a rookie coach, and you're trying to coach a bunch of, set, you know, what are 17, 18-year-old kids, 18-year-old kids, and, you know, I just – I'd rather have vets on my team, let them develop slowly with that. I think that's a really good formula. But, look, they're going to copy the G League with that. They're, they're going to go with it. Um, I'm not a big fan of it, but – yeah, what do I know? Yeah, I, I just I don't think it's going to work. I think you, you have a team of nineteen year olds who are competing for draft spots against each other on the same team. Hey man, that guy's taking my touches. Hey man, that guy's getting more 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 burn than me. Coach is fucking me. Like it's a recipe for disaster. Like absolute recipe. Even with two veterans, it's like the shit's not going to work. Every chance they lose every game, barely win a game. You're playing against grown men with seasoned imports, with with great Australian talent. The league's gotten better. I just think the league, you know, needs to really be careful about, uh, you know, m- making that kind of circus-like. On top of that, as you said with the salaries, the rumors are they're going to have to pay, the league would have to pay you guys, you know, six, seven hundred K plus to a million for those, yeah. those, 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 let's say those top eight roster spots. That's 10 million, right? If you're one of the stars of the league, you're looking at that and you're like, "Hang on a second, this young kid's making more than I am. I'm the star of the fucking league." Yeah, like that's not going to do. That's not going to be. That's not going to be a good thing for owners um, and those star players because they're going to be pissed. I would be right. like, if I'm the if I'm the face of the league and I'm Xavier Cooks, Bryce Cotton, Mitch Creek, Keanu Pinder, and I'm making you know whatever I'm making. And this this kid's 19 and he's coming in and I'm cooking him and he's he's making one one and a half x what I am. Mm-hmm. I mean. I'm scratching my head, and then that agent, rightfully so, is going to go to that owner of the Kings and the Wildcats in Southeast Melbourne and say, "Yeah, we want that money." Or we're just going to go to Japan or go overseas. <laughs> yeah, you know that that next star team lasts for a year or two, and then you've completely pissed off 
everyone in the league and all the good players left. You know, you got to be very careful. So I don't like it. Um, I love to hear arguments for it from people. If you think it's a good idea, what city would you put them in? Does the city support it? You know, are you get more than a couple of thousand fans. Would you as a fan in, in a small city, big city support this Next Stars team knowing that it's going to be a whole new squad every season and it's going to be a marketing exercise for, for YouTube or for, for uh, you know, TV viewership? I'm not too sure. So I think it's been battered down pretty heavily by um, most people out there. But um, yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd make note of that one, bro. All right. Uh, useful or useless stats really quickly. Giannis is now the Bucks franchise leader in points, assists, blocks, free throws, and he's less than 500 rebounds away from passing Kareem in board. So he's basically going to be the stat leader in every single category besides steals for them. Useful or useless? Totally useful. I mean, I just... This guy's an elite star of the league and, you know, just goes to show what, what he's put up in, in a short period of time. You know, look, they've, they've had a lot of transient players in, in Milwaukee, even with Kareem and some of the other guys they had, you know, Gary Payton and um, guys are just in and out. You know, the really good players are just in and out with that. But that's it's an unbelievable achievement. That's great. I mean, it's just great to see that. I mean, so many stat categories that he's has a career numbers in just says a lot about what he's done since, you know, since being in the league for 10 years. Totally. And how, pro, how nice is it to see a superstar hang around? Like sure. It's, yeah. I think there's there's such a underrated part of Giannis. Even Giannis, Jokic, some of these guys, they, they actually want to be where they're at and are happy with where they're at. It's a smaller city. He's probably losing marketing opportunities, but he's happy there, man. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just really nice to see. So... Definitely a useful stat. All right, I'm going to get your pen and paper ready, pro. I'm going to give you four candidates for MVP just based mm-hmm. on their stats. You're not going to know who it is. You can probably guess if you've got half a brain. Um, but all right, here's the first one. 30, 30 points a game, eight rebounds a game, 4.5 assists a game at 46% from the field. Mm-hmm. Number two, 33 points a game, 10 rebounds, four assists, 54% from the field. Mm-hmm. Number three, 25 points a game, 11 and a half rebounds a game, 10.1 assists per game, 63% from the field. Mm-hmm. And the last one is 32.5 points a game, 12.3 rebounds, 5.5 assists at 54%. Based on the numbers, who would you give it to? 24, 11, and 10 with 63% mm-hmm. of shooting. That's what I would give it to. Yeah. Who, who, who do you got? Yeah. And, that, and that's obviously who, Pro. Oh, Jokic, I would assume, right? Yeah, that is that is Jokic. So Jokic, the first one, 30, 30 points, eight rebounds, four assists at 40, 47% is Tatum. Number two, 33 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, 53%. Embiid, Jokic was the numbers we just mentioned, and Giannis at 32, 12, 5 at 54%. I'm giving it to Jokic all day long on those numbers, 63% you know, from the field. Uh, you know, 25, 11 and a half and 10 is absolutely ridiculous. And as I was said, there's some shit, I think it's like 25 and O when he has a triple-double pro, which That's is nice. absolutely insane. This isn't a, you know, Westbrook's run of triple-doubles where there was a bunch of L's involved. Mm-hmm. They win games when he has a triple-double. These aren't stat-padding numbers. They're actual mm-hmm. numbers that are contributing to wins. If you would have said, oh, they're 15 and 15 when he gets one, you're like, okay, maybe he's chasing them and it doesn't really have that much of an effect on the game as it should. 25 and 0, he's glaring. So, um, yeah, I think they're all useful stats and I agree. I think um, Jokic should be the winner and I think he'll be the three-time MVP 
Winner. All right, next one. Fewest points per minute this season with a minimum of a thousand minutes, bro. Who would you say is number one? We we talk about Tucker a lot, so I'm gonna go with Tucker. Yeah, you got it. Point one three <laughs> points per minute. That's crazy. Number two is a name I would not have thought. Well, Red, uh, Reggie Bullock's one. Okay, he's he's mm-hmm. at uh, two point three. Uh, sorry, point two three. Alex Caruso is tied with him at point two point three. Mm. Uh, sorry, point two three, and then Patrick Beverly at. That's pretty obvious um, once you mm-hmm. think about it at point two four. But uh, Caruso was definitely not one that I would I would think would be in that margin. But uh, PJ Tucker is gonna gonna go down as the fewest points per minute this season. Useful, or useless. Pretty useful. I mean, I know it's useful because Caruso was on my fucking fantasy team and I cut his ass a couple, you know, a <laughs> couple of weeks ago. Is. Yeah, of course, right? And but you got him for guy. steals, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I got him for steals and stuff. I ended up. I actually took um, Thibel like. 8.2 seconds after he got traded, I picked him up and I had to cut Caruso. But yeah, uh, I'll pick up. Oh, huge, huge pickup. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, I could I could actually get into the play in on 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 that. I'm, I'll ride Ooh, that. The Lakers. You're the Lakers of yeah. the fantasy world. I'm the Lakers of the <laughs> fantasy. I'm fucking, I'm going to get fired. My owners are definitely going to fire me. But um, yeah, I think it's useful. I mean, obviously, it just tells you the guys that just don't score. Bullock, I would think that would have scored a little bit more because of his shot making, but he hasn't really made his shooting's been a little bit down. And then Beverly, I mean, with with the team that he's on, he's not really a scorer as it is, and I could sort of see that, you know. And then lack of shooting and stuff, I could sort of see that as well. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting stat though. I uh, the points per minute deal. It is all right. Last one, Mac McClung, pro career earnings. Hundred and six thousand dollars. Dunk contest win. Hundred thousand dollars. Useful, useless. Well, before I answer it, and it goes into my answer of useful. McClung has a decision to make right now. He's got a decision to make. Does he want to be a fucking cartoon character where everybody's like (laughs) fawning over him, Mac this, Mac that, Mac that? Because here's the deal about Mac. I've heard he's a great kid. Great kid. Works hard. People like him. People like to coach him. You're six foot two. You shoot 32% from the three on, on a high year. If you don't figure this shit out, your name's going to be Mac McFucking playing in Turkey next year because I don't have a jump shot. You got to figure this out. Like, yeah, it's great. Hey, look, he made a hundred grand in the contest. Everybody loves him. It's probably worth a million dollars in marketing opportunities for him. But is he going to be a cartoon character where, like, you know, he's just going to do this dunk? Like, everyone's going to be like, oh, dunk contest. He's, it's going to be a glorified N1 mixtape player. Like, like we know he can jump. That's great. And look, nothing to take away from his win. That was um, that was a great I, – I didn't watch it. I just saw a couple of the highlights. Awesome. Great. But, like, I'm all for development. I'm all for, like, figuring it out. Like – if I'm him, I'm studying tapes of Pat fucking Connaughton and being like, that's my guy. He's 6'2", two, two guard at 6'2", who can't shoot. I don't understand that. That's, you know, that's sort of like, I don't know where you go from there. 6'2", two, two guard who can't shoot. It's like, you know, it's like a porn star with a limp noodle. Like, what are you doing? Like, you got to get in the gym and get that shot figured out. I say it's use. I say it's useful for sure. What do you say, Bob? Yeah, it's useful that he doubled his, doubled his career earnings is useful. So, but yeah, yeah, he's in that on that tricky path of do you just become? Are you remembered for being a circus act, or do you want to be a pro basketball player? Right? 
that's that's what yeah. you're saying. Like it's you you, you want to be very careful and, and and no hate. Like you know, winning a gun, gun contest, he can jump, man. The guy the guy did some crazy shit. Yeah. You just want to be careful. That's not what all you're remembered for right now. Um, it's interesting he yeah. got signed though, Bogues, at like a day before the dunk contest. In <laughs> yeah. your opinion, in your opinion, is it just like was it a was it a PR deal or was it in your I just opinion? Think it tells you where the dunk contest is at. <laughs> like yeah. it tells you they're clutching it. If they're getting a G League guy, yeah, you know, I mean, James White was. Remember James White? Ah, definitely Cincinnati. In, yeah, played, played Cincinnati. Yeah, played, he only played in the league for a couple of seasons, but he was dominating over in Europe. Old, you bring him back, he's winning it every year. Like, the guy mm-hmm. was, the guy was doing windmills from the free throw line for God's sake. Like, what? Anyone who hasn't seen his highlights? James White, YouTube it. Oh yeah, big time. Um, unbelievable off one foot, like just, oh, like just he, he would fly, glide, right? Mm-hmm. But how far do you go? You bring international guy. I don't know. It, it, it's it's a it's a it's a looking at the dunk contest and where it's at. It's. It, it, it shines a light on how bad it's become when they're when they're clutching at straws. But I mean, I've heard the same about Mac, and he's a great guy, and guys love him. Find a find a little jumper and, and carve yourself a nice little NBA career on the end of a bench. You just don't want to be that guy. Like, oh, that's that guy that dunks your whole career for the next ten years. You don't want to be that guy because it'll only get you so far. Look, you make a little bit of money in marketing, but no hate. Like he's done a fantastic mm-hmm. job, but yeah, you gotta be you gotta be very careful that you don't you don't turn yourself into a circus like. Oh, can you dunk for me everywhere you go? You know what I mean? Um, where you're still, you're still a pro baller and you want to get your game better. So I agree with that. What do you have this week? All right, folks. So let's just go on the Mac McClung thing. You, you heard it. And you know how things like generational player with Luca and, and there's some like there's some words that get attached to players, right? Well, the words that are going to get attached to him, you heard it with Shaq and a few of these other play, people on, on social media um, saying that he saved the dunk contest. So Mac McClung saved the dunk contest. Fact or fake news? Well, fake news because he's like the antics they had to do, get through to get him there. And he's a G League player and signing him and all that. He didn't save shit. I mean, he helped it. Like he helped bring some attention to it. But it's still, I don't get that fulfillment of my dinner. If it makes sense, like I'm still kind of a little hungry because it wasn't, it wasn't, was it really an NBA player? Like you know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think it, it, it saved anything. I think the dunk contest um, and the All Star Game in general, I, I truly believe you just got, they got to make some tweaks and just make it a little bit more appealing to the eye. I, I get it's a celebrity thing. I saw some people saying, "Well, it's just about the kids seeing the stars." Well, they can go see the stars in an NBA game. They can go see the stars. At, well, <laughs> every know, eight, local, every local, eight games, every eight yeah. games, they'll or play, just yeah. maybe just go to the. Go to the local nightclub when they come to town. You'll see every one of them. You know there maybe you that's go. a better path, and you just you just pay a five dollar door cover, and it's much cheaper, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't I don't think he's saying anything. I think I think it's dying a slow death, and it it, it needs to. The, the, the NBA is going to address this. There's, I have no doubt they're they're going to they're going to retweak things again. And they're going to try different formats, and like they've got that whole you know the first three quarters and then the fourth quarter scoring. It's all mm-hmm. not added up till late and all that kind of bullshit. They're, they're going to try, keep trying different stuff and throwing throwing darts at the dartboard until something sticks. Right, uh, that's just my opinion mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't think he saved it, and I think. If he saved it, he saved it for one night. Because now, again, you know, it's still the same problem. You don't have the great players in it. You know, I think that that's that was like I think fans have liked the dunks. And look, they've they've liked the dunks with guys that weren't exactly generational stars, like, you know, like Aaron Gordon and you know, Gerald Green, you know, all those guys had great even Igadala that was a really good player. You know, wasn't like an elite player, but it was really good. 
Um, I think they really liked it when the big time stars went against each other. In my opinion, I have no idea. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just I don't think he saved it. I think that like he prolonged the death of it, and like it was entertaining. White kid winning it, small kid six two. White kid, G League player. I mean, a lot of like pretty good storylines for the, you know, for it. But again, like you're here to see stars, and, and that's just sort of the reality of it. So I, I think they say he saved it for about a day. I don't think he saved it for going forward. I, I, I do think they got to make major changes. And I think that major change is paying a bunch of guys three million bucks to show up. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, they get paid enough. Why do they have to do that? Well, look, if you want to save this thing, that's what it's going to take. And it, we may not like it. We may be against it. We may, yeah, say, yeah, they, they have enough money, but that's what it's probably going to take to get it done. It's sort of like, you know, the USA basketball when they had to go with NBA players in it and, and they had to change it. They've got to have to change this thing because it's it's a disgusting display of it. Let's be honest with where it used to be for where it is now. They're definitely gonna have to do something with it, and it, it start by eliminating um, uh, that that rookie that rookie skills challenge because I just can't get the I can't get the look of all those misses on the rim out of my head when I watch that on social <laughs> media. No, that's so I say it's fake news. I don't I don't think he saved it. Um, so we talk about Jay Crowder, right? So you think Jay Crowder Jay Crowder made the right decision? Say it was his decision not to not to play this year up to this trading deadline, but look, he decides one reason or another. Let's just say he did decided to not play all year because of the you know the the, the deal with his contract and not mm-hmm. not being a starter, and now he finds himself having to get in shape for the last couple months of the season, get into the playoffs. You think that Jay Crowder did make the right decision not playing um, instead of just saying, you know what, whatever, let's just try to get a trade worked out. I'm going to stay in shape. I'm going to be in games. I'm going to have some games where I, I'm really good. I'm going to have some games where I may not play as much as I want to. But fact or fake news, he made a right decision by sitting out the whole year up to this point. Fake news based on what we know now. I mean, he'd fit nicely in that Phoenix team, right? Yeah. Like. <laughs> Like they lost yeah. Bridges and Johnson. That's yeah. his position. He'd probably be starting. It's unbelievable, right? right? Potentially yeah. starting at the three with KD or at the three, four, KD, three, four, Aiden at the five, CP and Booker, right? Like yeah. <laughs> perfect role for Crowder. Crazy. Like three and D guy, space, like actually probably a better fit than Milwaukee and probably play more minutes. <laughs> it's yeah. a crazy world, man. So I definitely made the wrong decision, but who would, I mean, he didn't know yeah. that trade was going to happen. He was obviously pissed they weren't trying to extend him or even – you know, uh, wouldn't confirm his role. He coming off the bench, so he was salty about that. Probably didn't handle it the best, but that's the way it's handled these days. The chess game with your agent off the floor, and I think yeah. Milwaukee's still a good fit. But yeah, did he handle it? Did he do the right thing? Uh, fake news. Yeah, I'm, I never tell people how to feel about anything, so it's hard for me to say. Um, you know, it's hard for me to say. Well, he should have done this, should have done that. The, what I will say is, like that stuff could always get worked out. Like you leaving a team, you know, and just say, look, I want to get out of here by all-star break. I want to get out of here by trade deadline. I want to get out of here at least, by, at very least, I want to get out of here in the summer. But I'm going to play, and I might as well play to stay in shape, stay relevant. I'm, you know, out of, even if I don't play a great role in this thing, 
in the first 55 games of the year, there's going to be four or five games where I really shine out and I'm really irrelevant with this. And I know I'm going to get moved. I've got a, a great reputation I built up for over 10 years, you know, being in the league for 12 years. Like everything works in his favor with it. I think by sitting out, you know, you put yourself at risk, especially in the first two weeks of this thing where you haven't been playing in NBA games. And it could really be physically harming to you where you could pull a hamstring or something like that. Because, look, I, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you run marathons, you know, you, you you train with Olympic sprinters, you play with the best players not playing right now currently. You're not going to be in game shape. And I, I just think that that could be a big problem. I hope not. I love Jay Crowder. I worked with him when I was in Dallas. I have the utmost respect for him. I'm just saying that, like, I think it's fake news. I think, like... Again, I don't want to tell him how to feel or anything, but I'm just saying by the information that we're given, why not just play it out? Let your agent handle it. Now, on the back end, you know people are going to get hurt. Like, we don't expect what happened to happen, but like everybody always gets banged up for a week or two or three weeks where you're going to definitely get thrown in there for an extended period of time. And that's going to be good. It's going to be flowing. You might play well enough to really put a dent in their minutes. Who knows? But um, yeah, I'd say fake news. Um, I, I don't think it's the right decision not to play just because I like like now you're gearing for the second half of the year and you don't know what's going to happen the first few weeks of the, you know, of the season that you're playing. You know, just taking that much time off at that age isn't isn't the greatest thing, I, I don't think, for for your body, for, you know, shell shock and all that. So um, last but certainly not least, we didn't really talk about this in length, folks, about the all star um avoids the last pick in the all-star draft oh so, man i heard that on here i want to hit that yeah yep. so yeah <laughs> fact of fake news the last pick actually cried um you know behind closed doors finding out that they were the last pick of the draft fact, fact of fake news <laughs> <laughs> i mean no fake news because you're taking, yeah, you're yeah. taking the piss but for, for context <laughs> i had this in the run sheet and i skipped over it um the NBA announced to Adam Silver that they're not going to have a last pick this season um, because it's it's bad for the person pick last. You know, if you're that kid that gets picked last, oh, it's so heartbreaking. No, it's not. Like that should motivate you to not be the last pick the following week or the week after. Like that's how I was as a kid. Like pick me last. I dare you. Okay, cool. I'm going to work harder now for the next couple of weeks. We're just going so soft as society, bro. Like now they're doing this oh, for the pros because the pros get their feelings hurt. So what they've done is they've said, oh, we're going to, we're going to pick the reserves first, but it was, there was still a last reserve pick, bro. It didn't change anything. Like, right? Uh, it was a triple, Jaron Jackson Jr. was the last pick, last pick technically, right? So it made no no difference whatsoever. It just wasn't technically the last, last pick because that was a starter. Like, come on, spare me, please. I mean, you know, parents out there, if you've got a kid that gets picked last, uh, use that as a positive. It's great. You know, yeah, it's it sucks to see your kid cry. It sucks to be like, man, I feel bad because I was picked last. Like, no one wants to play with me. Well, it's like you explain to them like, hey, you're not as good as the other kids yet. You need to work harder. We're going we're gonna to get you some private training. We're going to put uh, – hey, put your shoes on. Let's go to the gym, you and I, father and son, mother and son, mother and daughter, father and daughter. It's a part of life. It's a great, great learning curve. So um, to have the pros now promoting this kind of cotton wool shit, oh, not good, pro. Not good. Yeah, folks, look, you know – and that whole motivating factor thing is good for normal people. We're talking about 20, what, 24 human beings that are making on the average 28 to $30 million a year. They're all stars. 
$30 million a year, and they are a superstar in the league. If I get picked last, fuck it. I get picked last. Like, who cares? It's embarrassing for who? You're an all-star. You're an all-star. We're not talking about ranking every player in the league and figuring out who the last 20 players are. I don't give a fuck. They're NBA players. I'm not really caring. They're all-stars making $30 million a year. Like, no one gives a fuck. You're the last pick. Boo fucking who? I don't understand it. Like, and yeah, as a society, we're soft as fuck. Yeah, like this whole thing. So what? I was picked last in every draft I've ever met. Every draft, every, uh, we're picking in the schoolyard playing. I was picked last every time. Who cares? Who cares? But the all-star thing, like you're protecting players from what? Like, I don't understand what you're protecting players from. The embarrassment of being picked last. Yeah. You you know what? Protect them from, how about protecting them from fucking bankruptcy? How about that? I'd rather, uh, that, that that should be your first initiative. Let's protect them from bankruptcy before we protect their you know, their feelings being hurt for being the last picked all star in the NBA. But that's well, it's just, just ludicrous because you're still the top twelve best player in your conference. Yeah, yeah. So what? I'm the, I, okay, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I'm the twelfth best out of the top twelve. <laughs> like what? I'll take it. No, shit. I'm good. I'll take it. I'm happy with that. <laughs> but- Jokic, Jokic also said, uh, quoted, I would not draft myself either. I am not meant for this game. Uh, Jokic, <laughs> no, stuck in. I love it. I fucking love that 100% guy. 100% right. Yeah. And by the 100%. way, I just there's a lot of people out there I'm reading saying, oh, the All-Star, because I railed in the All-Star game on socials. And, mm-hmm. oh, you know, when you were a kid, it was the same. Bull fucking shit. I just reposted the 19, what is it? The, the, the All-Star Game, which was in Utah 30 years ago, so early 90s. Go and watch that video, people. I just reposted oh, it with dude. the caption. The, man, the, you, Scottie Pippen and Barkley are, are wrestling for a post-up, literally like about to fight. Yeah, Shaq got, Shaq's being blocked like three times with what look like borderline fouls, no calls. There's wrestling, there's turnovers in transition. John Stockton's running the point like he's with the Utah Jazz. It's amazing to watch. So uh, revert back, people. You people that have that mentality of, ah, oh, it's just the All-Star Game for the kids. Revert back to, to that game and it was amazing yeah. to watch, man. You got like Mark Price stealing the ball off MJ on a break. You got, uh, you know, David Robinson not letting himself get dunked on, Malone fouling people. It was, it's really glaring and great video. It's unbelievable. Like it is, yeah, you watch those ones, like watch the one in Chicago in 88. Watch, um, watch that one in 88. Watch the one in Houston in 89. Um, it's just, yeah, it was it was just a different mentality. The guys were just going at each other. It's sort of like you know you heard about those practices in the '92 Dream Team, like those closed practices where they went at each other. Like you know, those were special times. I understand you can't go that hard, but there's got to be some happy medium of like competitive games. You know, you don't have to be like fighting each other. I get it. That's not where we are at anymore, but. Like you watch those games, those are great players going at each other. That's what you want to. That it, it sort of had. It wasn't quite the NBA Finals. Don't I'm not going to overdo it, but it was sort of that type of feeling when these great players were going at it. MJ going at Clyde Drexler, Kareem going at it, Larry Bird going at it, James Worthy. Like these guys were like ultra competitive. I understand it's just a different mindset today, but like. 
like I went, to, I go to, I go to like those pro runs, you know, in the summertime in LA or whatever. And it's just, it's really, it's almost like that. Guys not even trying half the time, but it's that that stuff's like the '86 Celtics against the Lakers compared to what you see in this All Star game. It's these All Star games today. It's it's pretty bad. So that's why I haven't really totally watched agree. one. Yeah, haven't watched one in a long time. Yeah, I'm just off it. I'm getting old. Probably that old guy, you know, screaming at a cloud. But uh, I'm, I'm, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I just can't get into it. And that's just yeah. me. All right, that wraps up this episode. Thanks again, at Hoop Consultants, for anything you need from Pro on Instagram and Twitter, at Roebogs and all the other socials. And uh, make sure you share this podcast out so we can continue it. Thanks. And if anybody's selling a jersey that has Mick fucking playing in Turkey next year, I want a piece of that because that that comes from me. <laughs> that's my idea. Surely right. gets a McDonald's endorsement deal. McClung, yeah, you know. yeah. There you go. Perfect segue. All there right. you go. Adios. Adios. Let's get rogue.